Welcome to the Jungle, the Auburn Basketball Podcast, hosted by Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett, two Auburn alums, no filter, no frills, just basketball. We're coming off a win, a close win in Columbus, Missouri, a one-point victory, 55-54 on a night where the college basketball gods said chaos, on a night where college basketball gods said, you're not going to make a single shot all night. The college basketball gods said, you got too big. You're number one. I don't think so. We're taking you down in Columbus, Missouri. One man stood up to the college basketball gods and said, no way. KD Johnson freaking knocked out the gods of college basketball and said, we refuse to lose. There was one guy, and, and I, I texted one of my other friends after the game. I said, there's one guy. Uh, like, we, we have this KD, we, we always joke about having a KD podcast separately because he is such an interesting figure. On nights like tonight, man, you don't trade a guy like that for anyone. He's the only guy who is unaffected by everything else going on. He had multiple runs in this game that were fantastic. He is the obvious and clear. I, don't, I haven't even looked at the stat sheet. I don't care what it says. The obvious MVP of this game is Katie Johnson. He's the only reason that – he's KD, not the only he, – he's not the only KD, reason. KD, KD, KD. I wish it was an Albert so everybody would chant his name because – it is the most obvious MVP we've had maybe all year. Katie freaking Johnson, <laughs> our little psychopath, refused to lose. This team had the worst game it's had all year. Such a trash game. So bad. And Katie Johnson, two or three times this game, just said, screw it. We're not losing. I'm going. I'm doing this. And put the entire team on his back. Everybody, several players played really badly. They just didn't go in tonight. That's just how it is in college basketball away. But KD Johnson, man, he just drove that ball. The, the kind of plays that sometimes in a game where everyone else is playing well, we get upset because he forces the issue. Tonight, he forced the issue. Well, in. Thank God, because he was the only reason we won this game. We'll have plenty of reason, time to talk about the bad. That's going to be a lot of this podcast. But let's talk about the good. I mean, in the first half, he made some crucial plays. He, he was confident. He, you could tell his energy and his confidence was, was helpful. Second half, it got real tight. He was out. There was a weird sequence in the second half where the starters played the first seven minutes because the, they couldn't get to that TV timeout after the first four. And it threw everything off. Like KD was out from 13 minutes to go till six. And you, we'll talk about the kind of some of the struggles, but like him not being on the floor really mattered. And when he got back on the floor, um, it really opened some things up. Wendell did some good things too, but at the end, I just want to go through the three-play sequence, right? Auburn's down 51-50 with less than two minutes to go, I believe, and he just flings himself into a defender. Doing He totally initiates the contact. If I was a Missouri fan, they called a foul on it. It was an and one. He makes the free throw. I would have been livid. It's a terrible foul call, but he gets it because – and uh, don't you notice in this game – he got the calls every time he went to the basket, first half, second half. So we got, he got the calls. He, he hit the two shot. Big ones, two big ones early in the first. And then and he then, had a couple down the stretch. And then I, I want to point out his D. Sorry, I know I'm, I'm going long here. 
defensively, the next possession, Auburn's up two. It's like, all right, we got to get, you know, being up two in college basketball is the worst feeling ever because the three-point line is staring you in the face. And he makes a great recovery off his man to slap the ball out and get another steal. I don't know how many they gave him. He should have had four or five tonight. And he forces a steal. He goes down the other end. The, the, the possession isn't great. He gets the ball at the end of the shot clock, goes to the basket, pump fake, kind of waits patiently, hits a tough layup. Auburn's up five. They end up, we'll talk about the ending, but KD made all the plays. And the last play, I, I'm so proud of him, whether it was intentional or not. When, you know, Auburn had the last possession of the game, as it turned out, there was like a four-second differential. KD shot it with .3 seconds left, and it bounced around on the rim, and Walker got a touch. And that's why Auburn ends up winning this game without having to take Missouri with a half-court shot to try to beat us. So he did everything perfectly in the last four minutes, as much crap as we give him sometimes. Tonight is KD's night. He saved at the winning streak. Number one, you don't want to lose the first time out, uh, like Tennessee did, by the way, uh, when Bruce was there when they were number one. So just a great performance by KD. We can't say good enough good things. You, you would think that if you, you're going to have a game where KD is the only guy, I mean, we can talk about some other guys that played did some hustle plays and different things, but KD was the only guy that played his game tonight. He would say like one of the unanimous MVPs, KD is, he could have a game at any point where he scores 30 points. He could score, shoot six threes in a game and dunk the ball on some people and have some great hamburger plays. None of that really happened. What happened was, you strip away the Walker Kessler lobs. You strip away the Jabari Smith three-pointers and good jump shots. You strip away any kind of Flanagan good drives. You strip away maybe a, a, an efficient Zepp. You strip away Jalen making much. Anyway, you strip away everything we think we're good at. And what was left that didn't get stripped away was Katie Johnson. He did the stuff we're used to him doing, driving the ball on the guys, initiating contact, getting the foul calls, made a good three. None of it was necessarily something we haven't seen KD do. And honestly, in a different game, none of this stuff that KD did was like mind blowing. He didn't have any, like, like the best play he had all night was with, we were down one point and he went down there, threw his body against the other guy, made it, and then went and made the free throw. That was the biggest play all night. We've seen him do that many times. That was not some like, oh my God, something that KD's never done before. He didn't hit an enormous amount of threes. He didn't have an enormous amount of like hamburger type steals. He just stayed in his game when everyone else faltered. And, and when everybody else faltered that badly, KD Johnson's game looks mind blowing. And that's the kind of stuff that this team is so good. This team has so many good dudes that Kess, like that Johnson can do that in a different game. We don't really think about it. Like when this team was bad, go back, flash six, seven, eight years ago, pre-Bruce, early Bruce, Katie Johnson's our guy. If you put yeah. Katie Johnson on those teams, like Cream Canty was a great guy on some of those past teams that we beat Kentucky with one time. Katie Johnson would be doing that same stuff. Like he, we remember him, he was the only guy on that team. Katie right. Johnson has to play with these other dudes. And so he ends up being the third or fourth guy or whatever. Man, you can't say enough about a team like this, number one in the country. We, we talk about how we keep collecting different ways to win. Holy <laughs> crap, this one was one. We just picked up a holographic. A Mewtwo card or some other super rare collectible. This is winning when you score 55 on the road. Are you kidding me? You might remember that USF game that was super ugly in the non-conference and we couldn't shoot. And eventually we had our little run. We never had a run in this game, really. Um, and really, it, it speaks so much to Katie's. Um, I love that quote. I'm going to go back to it from a few weeks ago. Swagger is hard to guard. And um, 
he it's so true he has that swagger he wants the ball we've seen him make how many game-winning plays I mean we have to acknowledge like Jabari's made some really big plays but KD has made the game ceiling game-winning plays when it's come down to the final possession we haven't had many of those and he's been the guy almost every time if my memory serves and, and it works almost every time it's been it's been really crazy because if you like picked a guy on this team that I want the ball in his hands at the end, it's going to be Wendell or Jabari probably. Maybe if we can find a way to work with the Kessler, he's done such a good job. At this point, do we stop thinking that way? And we think end of game, it's KD because he's the freaking man. I'm, I'm trying so hard not to cuss here because he's impressed <laughs> me so much. <laughs> KD. It, it still scares me. Clutch. He's got the clutch gene, he right? Does. He does have the clutch gene. It, it does scare me a little bit. You know, I just have this vision of like, Auburn's in a second round game in the NCAA tournament against an eight seed and it's a down Auburn's down one and Katie waves off Wendell and Jabari and says I'm gonna do this you worry uh, because at this point I'm okay with it honestly we've seen enough times you just worry it starts too early right right. it started at the right time tonight yes KD told himself screw it these guys have not done it all night the last two minutes it's my game and and honestly if you told me he was going to do that I would have said do it. These guys, the rest of everybody else is not doing it. The problem is we're afraid that it's going to be a game where it's like tied 80-80. Everyone's playing pretty decently. And then Katie decides with like a three-minute mark that's Katie's game. <laughs> Luckily, that it hasn't mattered. It has not bitten us this year. But like, man, thank God for KD, man. I'm going to buy a freaking jersey. <laughs> I'm in love with a man. And his name's KD. <laughs> we've never, we've never, I mean, I've, I've made the Malik Dunbar much better Malik Dunbar comparison. That's the closest thing I can come to, but that's not even fair. Like this is, I, I don't know, right? He is his own freaking man. Yes. At this point. Yes. I think if you had to make a comparison, that's the one for an Auburn, like from the last 10 years, but like, there's nobody like him. And honestly, you watch college basketball around. There's a lot of interesting players, interesting personalities. You just can't convince me. There's another guy that's more strange for lack of a better word. And, and, but, the synergy on this team is just terrific. And I, I love, there's so many things I loved as in the ugliness of this game that we'll get to. And a, a lot of it, I think, stems from this spirit. Like Katie brings a lot of it. Jabari in his own way brings a lot of it. Wendell brings a lot of it as a small guy. Like, and those personalities together, they just, they just don't quit. They find ways to win. It can be ugly. It can be, I, we faced a ton of adversity on the road. We've seen it at Ole Miss and other places. It's going to keep happening. We talk about it, college basketball on the road. You look around the nation, it happens all the time. Alabama lost in this gym. We very well could have lost tonight. Um, so anyway, I'm really happy we won. It's a great, like, now I feel like we can officially let the number one, like, okay, we're number one. We survived the, that the first. Curse, we, it just feels like we punched the curse in the face, right? Yes. Like there's the curse of being number one, the pressure and like. Honestly, the pressure cooker of tonight and still pulling out the win, it feels like we busted it right open, right? Like we keep going, so, we have to lose. There's a pressure. How do you, how do we be a, a team with a target on its back? How do you, man, you go home as a player on this team, they're going to be like, screw the curse, screw the pressure. We're going to find a way to win it every single time. Like, ugh. So let's talk about like some of the funny pieces of, of I just think it's hilarious that Auburn won this game. Before, before we do that, I want to say also, we mentioned, and you mentioned specifically several times, that KD is going to win us some games down the stretch, sometime in March or sometime at some point, like when we were the most down on KD. But KD came in as like a neutral, like I hope he's a good player. 
Then it went, wow, we have a star. Can't believe we got this guy. Where is this guy coming from? Oh my God, best player ever to, oh no, he's doing all the things we were afraid he's going to do. So down on him. Oh my gosh. Uh, we just hope he can figure it out. We hope that Bruce figures it out, but he might still win us some games. Don't He'll get it together to this, where it's like, he has turned it back around. He might go back downhill again. We don't know, but we absolutely love that for right now, he just won us this game and he played great in the game before that too. And he's been trending upward like this. He has, I, I think there's going to be some roller coaster with him just by his nature and by this team. It, that, like you said, they don't need him to, to do this every night. You know, they don't, he, this is the first game in a while. If I remember he shot double digit field goals, like attempted, like he, but this was a game where I didn't hate hardly any of them. I mean, because there was nothing else positive going on offense from on offense for the most part. Um, he was great, man. And it's, it's so refreshing just for me as somebody. And I do want to point out, I watch for this stuff. I try to notice when guys, in my opinion, like blow defensive assignments, or, um, you know, just fall asleep at times defensively. I didn't see one time all game where KD was a culprit defensively. And, and for me, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I may have missed something, but like. I, I, I'm not... I was watching. I was watching also for that exact same thing, because early on in the game, they had a, it was kind of like old Miss a little bit where they were they weren't missing, but also we were leaving them open. Yep. It's like 50 50 kind of thing, like a team you kind of expect, even if you leave them open, a team like Missouri is going to miss maybe. Everyone's on. They were hitting everything while we were also leaving them. So I was watching like, who is getting these guys open. Why are they getting open? I, I would say I didn't think didn't feel like it was KD's fault. Oh. Also, if you're going to look for a thing in this defense, he made a lot of gambles on guys that were kind of backing people down, and that's partly because they had a really good strategy of backing Wendell and KD. I mean, they would work if they found a bigger guy with Wendell or KD on them. They were working it. They would let it slow down and move the guy all the way around, back him all the way. In. About that time, either KD or Win or somebody would try to like collapse on them so they couldn't get an easy two. So that's the only times that like it got a little wonky that KD sometimes would crash a little too early and leave a guy open. But later down the stretch, after that first run, it didn't really matter because both teams' offenses played so badly and the defense just turned it up too. But still, you, you, you live, I like for KD, I always, I live with his gambles for the most part because he does get so many steals and he is such an active off ball defender. Like, I still go back. What what game was that? Was that last game where somebody's on the ground with the ball? And so many times you see somebody like try to get a jump ball or like roll on the ground. Though Katie just like pull, looks down, rips the ball out, and goes on the fast break really fast. So I'm cool it's with strength, this. right? Honestly, if you go back to some of the stuff in this game, yeah. there were a couple jump balls that it came down to the fact that when KD does it, he rips it out before they can call a jump ball on it or foul or anything. In this game, there was two or three of them where other players tried to do the same thing and they called jump ball cut like. I don't know, three or four times tonight. And they called a foul on window that was bull crap where he just reached down and grabbed it. But KD and all those plays, he's, he's also just, he's so squat and strong. Yeah. And he also can like bend down and like get in weird angles and still like wrench things out while other people kind of need a certain angle to get the full strength win. But like, it's weird, man. KD is, I've never seen a guy like KD. He is no. just, and in other, in other sports, they call people uh, little balls of hate or like a ball of oh. knives or whatever. KD's kind of like that. He's like a, he's dense, right? <laughs> Little ball of hate. That's uh, that's close to another sport reference. There. I know, I know. I don't want to bring up again. Um, no. Uh, so I did just two more things on KD, and I'm done. You can talk about anything. I, this I is look- a KD podcast. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're switching up. This is a KD podcast. It's not going back. It's staying KD. You stumbled upon the Patreon KD podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no. He forced I, it. He forced this issue, right? Katie forced did. us to turn into a Katie podcast. He wanted it. He wanted the Katie yeah. podcast to happen. Um, I just, I watch for him to be disciplined in the half court on defense. And I really feel like he's making progress on that. And by the way, we haven't, we haven't pointed out one of the best plays. I think he turned it over right after, which is typical, but uh, they threw a deep pass and he went straight um, a position that defends passes in another sport uh, in the air, leaping with two hands and just comes down with it. And it's like, you watch him do certain things and it's just so different. He made a play before that, right? He had made a, a, something happened and maybe he maybe he made a shot before that maybe i think yeah, he made a shot yeah. maybe before that yeah and then sprinted down the court and the other team threw it up and i just knew it from like the where kd was like at half court even you were like yes and kd just turns it up another gear goes up there like grabs that ball like another sport <laughs> and you you just knew it was gonna happen kd was gonna get that ball there was no way the other guy was ever gonna get that ball he hit a he hit a three right in that dude's face. Played as good a defense against him as he could. He nails it. Bruce always talks about like he's going to take some shots that make you kind of, you know. He's been back. Maybe that's what it is, right? We go up and down with him, right? He's making his in your face threes, and so we're like, yeah. I'm and still not. Yeah. a stretch where he missed his made made it in your face threes. We were like, no. <laughs> I'm not saying I, I don't like to play the result. So like I don't like that shot. But if you're going to yeah. take it and if you're going to have the freedom in Bruce's offense to take it, let's make some. And it, it's a lot better when you make one or two of those. for sure. It looks great in a game like this where everybody else sucks. In other <laughs> games where everybody else is playing well and there's open shots to be shot from guys that can make them, then it's a bad shot. You know? So it's tough to know when that game's going to happen too. You know? But we, uh, can, we can talk about some stats maybe, like some yeah. team stats that tell the story yeah. a little bit. The biggest one is probably 30% from the field. 21% from three, 55 points to 54 points. It was just bad, man. And, and it wasn't like awful bad. It felt like it avalanched a little bit. We had some shots that went kind of in and out. It felt like they were not bad shots. They looked good and they just kind of went in and out and just didn't work out. And then it kind of just avalanched that we could not seem to get the ball to go down. He missed some dunk, not straight up dunks, but like at least an alley-oop, maybe one or two, where just, I was like, wow. I think it got in the, maybe the players' heads a little bit too, that they just weren't going down. And then it just got worse. Some of the shots got even worse. Flaming had started the game with a, an air ball three, I believe, or early on in the game. And we had a couple other real bad bricks from three. The biggest one is that Jabari shot awful. And I was totally down all game long for him to continue shooting. He has not had a game like this all year. He might not have another game like this again all year, you hope, in an Auburn uniform. But so you were like, just keep shooting. Just keep shooting. Just keep, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. It was going to happen. And about three minutes left, maybe, maybe four minutes left, he hit a jumper. And he went, okay, now we're getting together. I think at the same time, the next play, maybe, we got a, a Kessler lob, which we hadn't had all game either. And we said, okay, maybe we're, like, getting it going. Nope, we were not getting to go. <laughs> we came back and like missed two or three threes in a row, and well, just bad shooting night. Shooting's contagious. Uh, if you've ever played basketball, you know how this works. When you're on a team and you kind of look around and you're dude, right? We we talk about how Jabari has kind of a he's he's the alpha in terms of everybody knows now how good he is on this team. And when you when you see your guy one for thirteen to start the game, and you see your your oldest 
kind of veteran Flanagan, one for six with four turnovers in the first half, which we'll talk about him more later. When you start seeing this stuff, Walker struggled. He missed a few kind of um, closer in shots. Cambridge couldn't get the ball to go and bless his heart. We'll talk about him later. It does become contagious and everybody tightens up and it's hard to resist that. Bruce's teams usually do a great job um, of resisting that, but for some reason tonight, and Missouri has a lot. I, I want to get into some of the stuff later about Missouri. Missouri did a terrific job of making us uncomfortable in this game, but you, how do you win a game when you shoot 30%, you go six for 28 from three, you leave uh, multiple front end free throws you miss and you take away two free throws from your score. And we'll, we'll talk about how you win, but we just got completely outshot in this game on the road. And I know some of our pregame notes discussed that, but it um, it's about as bad as we can look offensively with this group, I think. 55 points. We won that USF game. Uh, we scored 58 to 52. This one's 55, 54. So that, this is the, best, the worst offense performance we had all year. It's tough to win away. We've talked about it a thousand times. We didn't think it would be this tough to win away well, 55 54 what or did you 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 you, t- you said earlier today this is the ultimate trap game for Reed. we'll talk about reasons why uh, as we go number, on number one team and you're going on the road in the sec to missouri and it felt like even fans i mean i, I think there's probably a certain percentage of the fans that got really excited for that kentucky fan the kentucky game that didn't even know this game was tonight i mean we're super fans we have a podcast and i was like when's this game again and it snuck about me man even this afternoon i was like oh yeah that's tonight that's how sudden this game felt. So we well, wondered if the energy was going to come. Both of us separately on our pregame notes wondered as our very first pregame note, can we bring the energy early? And we did not really. We, I mean, it wasn't awful, but they they brought the energy compared to what we brought. The, you know, yeah. like they came out as the aggressors and we yes. definitely didn't. And the first part of this game looked like it was going to be a, a semi-normal game. People were running back and forth and making shots and everything. So I don't know what happened. In the second half, we sc- they scored, we scored in the second half, 24 points. They scored 23. This game was freaking close, man. 31-31 in, in the first and 24-23 in the second. Both teams turned the defense up, especially our team. We can talk about that maybe, but the defense got turned way up. You know, Jabari had a god-awful game on offense. And some other more diva-type players that have the number one ranking that might be drafted number one, we just sit back on our laurels and say, I'm going to make a shot eventually, or it's not my night. He got low, and he played some great defense. His blocks have really turned up. His like post-defense is like getting to a pretty crazy level. Like we talked about before the game started, Cardwell has, has the number three blocks in the SEC. It's Kessler number one, Cardwell number three. If Jabari is playing defense like this, how many blocks did Jabari end up with? Two tonight. But it feels like he's really turned it up a ton in post defense. And he plays, he can play defense anywhere. I get excited when I see him one on one with the guy, and that guy's trying to drive the ball at this point. I'm saying, great. Several times late, the guy that was on Jabari was driving the ball. And I said, great. That's a great matchup. I love that Jabari's guarding this guy, not Wendell or I don't know, somebody else out there. So uh, defense he, turned it up for sure. He He's a terrific on ball defender. He, he struggles off the ball occasionally. I think that's just transitioning to college. Um, but yeah, you, you, I mean, I don't want to gush on this too bad, but the only reason you win a game like this, we can talk about KD being the only reason. No, KD's not the only reason we won this game. We sat our butts down on defense for like Auburn had at least two, I want to say maybe three, four or five minute scoring droughts in this game out of a 40 minute game. You do the math on that. Auburn was not scoring three different periods of this game at all. 
And the only way you don't get blown out of the gym is by playing great defense. And I thought in the second half, our defense was as good as I've seen it all year. And it's a response to the situation they were in. That's why I'm so impressed with this group. Like it was as bad as it can get offensively. And the defensive effort was there from everybody. It started with Zepp on that first possession. He gets a steal. Uh, he knocks down a three. And you feel like maybe we're going to, but it just never happened. The run never happened. But man, how many possessions did Jabari sit? Kobe Brown is their best player. He is potentially an NBA or overseas professional guy. And um, uh, he had eight points. And oh, he's going to foul him out for a minute there. And and he he was like initiating offense all game. And it was Jalen and Jabari just consistently shutting him down. Um, I thought everybody, Flanagan was terrific, as bad as he was on offense. Flanagan was as engaged and aggressive and physical as a defender like he was a year ago, honestly. And I, I love that part. Cambridge was terrific defensively. Zepp did his thing. Kessler maybe didn't have the blocks, but I thought he was still effective. They did some things to kind of bother him. I just thought defensively, you hold that team to 54 um, on the road when you can't buy a shot. Like that says so much about the maturity of this team. And I just thought they made their halftime adjustments to what Missouri was doing. And it was lights out. I mean, there was very rare. There were a couple possessions where somebody kind of fell asleep. But like we have no chance, no prayer of winning without that. Defense travels. You know, we always talk about it as a thing. And the defense travels, just like the USF game, defense travel. We, you know, going away in college basketball, it's just part of the sport. It's part of how young these guys is. It's part of like, you know, in the NBA, they play so many games that some of these away games, like they might play two or three times away or something like that. Here you get that one chance to play at Missouri and you just don't seem to get it going that one night. Same with USF. But if you can play defense that keeps the other team to 54, all of a sudden you're winning the game, 55-54. I'm going to keep saying that score because it's freaking nuts that we won that game. And if you saw slightly earlier in the podcast on YouTube, you would have saw my face go like this because I was shocked when I was looking down the stat sheet when Matt was talking, I can't hold it in anymore. Devin Cambridge, nine offensive, offensive. rebounds, nine, not, not rebounds, not rebounds, nine offensive. offensive rebounds. And two or three of those ended up with a foul. He was getting so many through. They kept fouling him and he was in huge moments. I mean, everyone was huge when he went a game 55, 54, but we had several, all his rebounds, he went out and got fouled. He didn't make his free throws, which really sucked. But it was still huge to keep those possessions going and to not give them another possession. I've, I've never, ever seen this. Where they were all offensive. He had nine rebounds total. Zero defensive rebounds. So, so just, I've never, and, and maybe he had, I want to say they were all in the second half. I mean, maybe there was one or two in the first half. I don't remember. But I've never seen a big guy get seven offensive rebounds in a in a game hardly I mean that is it it's absurd and and Bruce that's the only guy that's the only player individually and he mentioned KD but like those are the two guys he mentioned and that was like next level effort obviously it stinks that he missed two front ends of one and ones where he could have had four big moments (laughs) but but he had that he had the alley-oop dunk he was terrific defensively he got his he got his Wendell didn't get his but Devin Cambridge got his (laughs) but uh just man um, he, he went really, off. He went off from a hustle perspective. Yes. Like you know, people go yes. off from points or three point line. He went off from a hustle perspective, and a, a big part of the reason is because Flanagan had a really bad game. 
sadly, everyone knows on this podcast how big I am at Flanagan. So for me to come on this podcast and talk greats about Cambridge, my friend Ben Young, shout out, said, I don't hear, I want to hear any more Cambridge slander. And I said, you can't muzzle me. Well, guess what, Ben? I am shouting the praises of Cambridge right now. Flanagan came out, had a bad game, and I, I was texting Madison about people like Cambridge is going to get some solid minutes. It, I, I gave it to the third possession on Flanagan to say if he has another bad possession, you're going to see some minutes from Cambridge, and that's what happened. Flanagan played badly. Cambridge it didn't, you know, the stereotype of Cambridge is that he can go off from three, he can get those alley oops. Like that was kind of like if you're going to say you're going to go off from Cambridge, that's what you're going to think is going to happen: a bunch of alley oops, a bunch of threes. No man, he just played good defense. He crashed the boards. That's kind of what we've been asking for out of him, right? Is that you're yes. a big athletic guy, go crash the boards. Go play hard defense. You're not some great three-point shooter. Go make it happen in other aspects of the game. And he did. And you absolutely love how many times you've seen that this year from yeah. a bench guy. These bench guys were, should be starters on crappier SEC teams. But they're coming in, and when their moment comes, they're shining. Cardwell shined in that Bama game. Chris Moore shined in that South Carolina game. Cambridge is having his night, and it doesn't have to be a star three-point alley-oop night. He's starred in offensive rebounds. That's the kind of team that wins a championship, that has yeah. guys on the bench that can come in and do something like that. It's especially it, – it's just so cool to see him develop, right? Because he, he was a bad defender two years ago. I remember as a – he was really bad. And I think part of it, he graduated early and did the whole thing. But, like, he has just gotten so much better. And you're, it's a great point. Like, he's finding ways – he found ways to do something that no one else on this team was either able or willing or had the opportunity to do. And he got to play. I mean, he played 19 minutes tonight, uh, more than Jalen Williams, right behind Wendell Green, because he, I mean, we'll talk about him later, but like he played a lot. And it's because he played that whole stretch in the second half because he was getting all these rebounds. And if you want to zoom out, nine from Cambridge, I've never seen this, 25 offensive rebounds for this Auburn team. We out-rebounded them by 10, and that is a physical, big team. Maybe not big at the center spot and the power forward, but, like, they're just big as a team. We'll, we'll talk about you that. You know what helps getting all these offensive rebounds now, I think? Because I was shocked because I think – Missing shots. I, yeah. <laughs> I think you called it out. I think you did the same thing I did when you looked down the offensive rebound board and saw that Walker Kessler also had seven offensive rebounds. And you said, how did he have seven? How did look, he have nine? We missed so many freaking shots. That's how, like, rebound, like, it wasn't as impressive as usual because usually when that happens, they put the ball right back up and you kind of remember it's like a thing. Or they, it was tough in there. Even when they got the offensive rebounds, it was tough. This is why I love this game so much. I told you before we started, this is going to be like a nerd fun podcast. Um, this is hilarious. I've never seen, I mean, I've just never seen this. 25, first of all, to, to address offensive rebounds, yeah, you can say it's because we missed a lot of shots. You know what it also is? that Those rebounds could go to the other team, and you don't get extra shots, and you shoot the same percentage, and you score 42 points. That easily could have happened. But 25 offensive rebounds, guess how many points we got off those? My, seven. My ESPN, ESPN, seven. Says we had, ESPN says we had 26. You said you oh, got 25 over there? I 20, It doesn't matter. Offensive. I'm talking about second-chance points. How many? Off of 25 offensive rebounds, we got seven points. Wow. You usually think you would get almost always have more points than offensive rebounds, right? So you assume that more than 50% of those are going to end up in points. Right. Missouri had 10 offensive rebounds and had 12 second chance points. So they out second chance. They had more 
We had that many offensive rebounds and they had more second chance points. I'm going to stop looking at offensive rebounds because it really comes down to second chance points, right? Well, yes. But but I do want to say, look, how does Auburn win the game? That's going to be one of our themes of, of this podcast. Well, Auburn shot a way worse percentage. But if you look at the field goal number, Auburn made one more shot than Missouri in this game. How did they do that? It's because they got 18 more shots than Missouri. That's the, again, so it may not feel like you're getting all the second chance points, but what you're doing is you're keeping the ball in your hands, you're getting opportunities at the free throw line, and you're getting more shots up. Ultimately, it's a game about who can get more shots up, and Auburn did. Another interesting one that I thought you were about to say, because that's why I brought the what ESPN has. So ESPN has 26 offensive rebounds for Auburn. Uh, Missouri had 27 defensive rebounds. We had mm. one less offensive rebound than they had defensive rebound. That is bizarre. This game, this whole thing, you said you were going to nerd out. A, this game is freaking bizarre. And and offensive rebounding is one of our worst categories, by the way, coming into this game. We are not a good offensive rebounding team for our size. So, again, it just shows that uh, the, the depth of our abilities on this team. Like, when we needed it, we can get 25 offensive rebounds, apparently, on the road. And even if we didn't convert them into points, that says something that's so different than how we've played every other game. We can talk a little bit too here. You know, we talk about Cambridge there, and I, I want to get my spiel in. I mean, at this point, we'll start probably going down the line a little bit on some of this stuff. But Alan Flanagan had a, a, a really awful game. The whole game, there was there's some weird minutes in this game. We had like Wendell Green went out with an injury at one point to his knee. It was like luckily he went down, and everybody, I'm sure, it's getting to a point in the season where like it was one thing when we had Flanagan out for a while and we kind of dealt with it. Now we know what we need, and window went down holding his knee, and you're just every time somebody does that, you're worried. Luckily, they showed the replay, and it was a, a banged up knee, and, and you're like, usually that if that happens, so bad, it hurts. That hurts. Yeah, so it hurts. Bad. But you know your guy's probably going to come back, and luckily he did, and we really need it. That also brings up a weird thing with Zepp Jasper. He was gone for super big portions of this game, a big defensive game. There was big gaps. I was like, where is Zepp at? And maybe it's because the offense was so bad that we felt like we really needed Wendell in for that after he came back. I'm sure there was a gap there when it was out and Zepp was back in, but uh, yeah. I guess that, that's what I'm kind of getting at. I guess we don't talk about Flanagan right now, necessarily, but like the minutes were weird. 19 yes. minutes for Cambridge, 22 for Wendell when he's usually higher up, 32 for Jabari Smith when he was having the absolute worst night of his life, but his defense was so locked in and we just kept, I think Bruce probably was thinking to himself, this guy's going to get it eventually. I'm going to leave him in and tell him to keep shooting because we need somebody to do it. And if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be him. And he just never did get it he going. Did, he did hit a big shot late after starting one for 13. He hit a big shot in the last. He hit a big jumper that I thought for sure was going to, like, bring the floodgates down. We've seen him in a couple other games do that, like the UConn game. I think it was at least one more where he didn't play a good start and finished well. And it just it, it didn't happen in this game. Um, man, there's so many. I Let me let me nerd out on a couple stats, and then we can do a player by player. Um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do pregame notes after you stat out a little bit. Okay, stat out, pregame notes, players. Okay. Um, just wanted to point out our consistent theme. We're trying to make you smarter here on the podcast. Uh, how does Auburn win a game where the offense is this bad and everybody's off and everything's bad on the road? Uh, you won rebounding by 10. We just talked about the offensive rebounds, and we won turnovers. Um, despite playing against four in the first half, we only had 10 the whole game, including that. So uh, we forced 13. Um, that's another, again, that's how you get 18 more shots than the other team. Our bench points were way down because nobody was scoring, I guess, but that to be even with Missouri is really disappointing. I think that's part of the reason we just didn't get that scoring punch from Wendell 
mainly. I think he hit the first two threes of the game for us. Like, I want to say he scored our first six points maybe, and then he didn't hit a shot the rest of the game. He started off like the kind of game you expect from Wendell, and it yeah. just like went – everything went downhill. I was, it kind of like, honestly, the whole game was like that. The beginning of the game looked like a normal game. And after like the first, what, five, six, seven minutes, everything just went to crap <laughs> on both sides. <laughs> It's, it's just so rare that you win games. We got outshot from the field. We got outshot from three. We got outshot from the free throw line percentage and total. Um, we did win one more shot than them and one more three than them because of the volume of the offensive rebounds. Uh, and then I just want to throw out to set up our players here in a minute. Um, uh, some of these numbers. Wendell Green missed his last seven shots. Jabari was two of 15. Flanagan was one of six. Didn't take a shot in the second half. That was all in the first half, I believe. Um, Jalen was one for four. Uh, just a lot of Cambridge was two for eight on all those putbacks. He kept trying to get his rebound. And oh, put it back he was brutal. <laughs> he kept getting all of its rebounds, and he just could not go back up with it. Oh, man. Anyway. It's usually so easy, right? You get the offensive rebound, and it's usually right back up. And there was a couple times that he got the offensive rebound, and I said, don't even go up. You're, like, surrounded by, like, three guys. Like, just hold on to you. We are overlooking one major thing that I think is hilarious. I, I saw this. And I could not believe it in the flow of the game. But Kessler had a double-double with 13 and 12. And I don't know how he had 13 points. Like, I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't remember most of them. Um, but anyway. They weren't the way we – I mean, he got his lob eventually, you know, that's like some, at some point kind of late in the game that we really needed it. I think it was the same – I think it was the same thing where Wendell – not Wendell, Jabari hit a jumper, and then somewhere in that same vicinity, we hit the lob to Kendall – or Kendall. I'm Kessler. The anxiety from this game has racked my brain a little bit here. I'm drinking my my unofficial sponsor, uh, Gosling's Rum, over here, so maybe I'm getting a little crazy. But, uh, again, we got the lob with Kessler. I said, all right, finally, it took until four or five minutes left in this game. We're going to break the the dam or whatever. It just didn't happen. That was our one moment in the whole game, but, those two but, back and forth. But what, what were the other four shots Kessler made throughout the game? I he don't remember. Three throws, I remember. He three free throws, throws and a lob. Was, I remember those. That's five points. Where are the other eight? He missed a three. He missed his jumper. I think he had another tough putback maybe where Cambridge got an offensive rebound yeah. and then Kessler yeah. got the rebound of that offensive rebound and put it back. It was yeah. a, oh, every just, point was tough this game. And I, I texted Matt this and I said, this is how it's going to be the rest of the season, isn't it? Where teams want to make the game as rough as possible, as physical as possible and get in our heads, get like early in the game. There was a weird moment where, Cambridge and somebody gotten a little bit of a pushing something off to the side, maybe in the first four or five minutes. That's how they want it. The students, like, this place was not packed. I really feel like ESPN does a weird job of mixing the sound on fans sometimes where they just really, like, turn the mic up on the student section and make it sound like an intense atmosphere. I do think the students got into it yep. in any kind of a way game in the SEC. It's going to get a little crazy or whatever for us, a number one team, especially if they can keep in it. You know, I have a feeling there's going to be a couple of games where we go and the student section's full and going nuts for the first bit of the game. And if we get out of them early, they go study somewhere and you have a game like this and they stick around and have a good time. And in fact, someone probably ran over from the dorms at halftime when they saw how close this game was. Well, the, yeah, the problem we're seeing on the road the last two is um, you give teams like Ole Miss and Missouri life by leaving them open and letting them hit open shots. And now that you have that one beside your name, oh, man, you're a Missouri student and you're at this basketball game and your team's, like, winning most of the way. And it creates a better atmosphere. 
rather and that's why the start is so important. let's go ahead and do pregame we notes jumped i think we jumped on teams so early like the first part of the year really felt like that was our moves to jump on teams early and go on this big up leads and then have to like kind of go through waves after that last couple away games it has been a little brutal with how we leave guys open. I don't know if they draw something up that's getting to us I and mean, it takes us time to get comfortable or we're not bringing the energy early on. But man, yeah, this game and the Ole Miss game and maybe another game or two, we've just left people open early. Kentucky but, game too. We started slow against Kentucky as well. Right, that's another see. another double-digit comeback. I mean, let's not gloss over. We came back I, from I sent the Kentucky down. game to my, to my girlfriend when we were down. I was like, no, it's not good. We're not built for that. Well, we've done it a couple of times now, haven't we? St. Louis. Ole Miss, Kentucky, Missouri, that's four games now that we've come back from a double-digit down, like, deficit. Yep. Uh, all right, so we can get some pregame notes here. We always put them up on Instagram, uh, so check that out if you get a chance. We forgot to do it last game. It was the only time we haven't done it. So, But it was guide our conversation. So if you want to know what to look for during the game that we're going to talk about on this podcast, get on the Instagram. I might start posting on Twitter maybe, but I don't know if it, like, is conducive to that. But all right, here's mine. Can we bring the energy in the first half on defense? No, we like you're gonna you're shaking your head a little bit here, but the way this game started was exactly what I was afraid was gonna happen is they were gonna hit some open shots. We were gonna leave them open for shots. We weren't gonna get on them early and take the crowd out of it. That's exactly what I wanted was to come in and blitz them, take the crowd out, deal with their runs after they're already a little defeated. Not what happened. They got confident. Honestly, this game could have gone completely different if we could like change some pieces around and go up 10 early instead of letting them go up 10 all of a sudden the whole vibe of this game changes I, I agree in the first few minutes we we did fall asleep again it, I thought we adjusted quicker I thought after that first tv timeout I think it was 10-2 or 7-2 or something I thought after that defensively we we only had we held them to 31 in the first half it's not like it, it was not a bad defensive effort uh I think the problem was you know you have to define energy right Auburn was never able to get its tempo and its um it's mentality it's mojo in this game because we couldn't make shots and if you go think about our flying tiger monstar runs it's because we're alley-oop and we're hitting the logo threes we're we're fast paced and it's just um we're doing that and they have to turn the ball over slash miss some shots and we've let some teams early on make all their shots and turn this game into a game where we have to get into our half court offense if we can get some games early where they're missing their shots or they're turning the ball over I was in our offense looks a lot better too, because we're running the ball and doing stuff a little more, uh, you know, our office is just a little more breakthrough break. What do you, what do you call it? Break. I'm missing the word right now. Help me out here. I don't, I don't know if I can help you with that one. Whatever. Um, we're, we're going on fast breaks. <laughs> that's, that's a little more raw. It's I am sorry. I, I'm like, I do think you're right though. I think we did struggle in the first few minutes again. And, and sometimes home teams are going to come out. Um, if you want to get nerdy in 15 seconds, Missouri did something cool. I don't know if this was their regular lineup, but all five of their starters were like six, five or taller. I mean, they were just tall. They weren't necessarily seven footers, but they really, you mentioned our guards being small. They kind of exploited that. And I thought they played a five out offense, meaning no guy in the middle uh, to start the game, trying to drag Kessler away because they knew we were going to play man to man like we usually do. And it, it gave us some trouble until we kind of adjusted to what they were doing. So you got to give Missouri credit. They had a plan. That we was can talk about, we can talk about that really quickly. I thought that was super interesting to watch them really try to find or like take advantage of our mismatch. You see in the NBA all the time. It's the reason Jared Harper's never made a, a lineup early. And it's the reason 
a lot of these little guys never really make because in the NBA, they really find a way, maybe it's spacing because the three-point line is slightly different. Maybe it's just the type of offenses they have in the NBA, but they really take advantage of any small guy. It feels like if you get a mismatch, it's over. They're yep. going to make it. And they did that a lot in this game, and they really worked it more than anybody else has against us. Mm-hmm. Find that mismatch, and you watch them try to work it on Wendell and KD. I don't feel like it really went in very often. There was very few times that they were – like, it got to him, and you were afraid. He said, man, Wendell's on a big guy right now. KD's on a big guy right now. I don't remember many of those going in. Maybe there was a couple oh. of three-pointers off of that, kind of. Two things. Missouri is old school. They are going to pound you. They're going to be physical. That's We'll talk about that in a minute one of my notes. But I knew that was coming in a way. And they're last in the country in three-point percentage. Like, they're last of everyone. So wow. part, of, part of their game. Of all D1 teams, they're the last in the country? 343. I believe that's how many teams there are. They're 343. Wow. I'm surprised they didn't bring that up when they were they going. Did. They were getting hotter. Okay, man. They did out of one of the timeouts early, and I didn't know that. And But it made sense, right? Like, that's why they're attacking those two-point matchups, because that's probably how they've had to play when you're shooting under 30% for the season from three. The, the other pretty interesting part is when you said they had the five out, Kessler bring Kessler out. Thank God, Kessler, like, another impressive part of Kessler's game, man. There was a time where the point guard dragged him out. I get excited when Kessler gets dragged by the point guard because it's great. I mean, they're going to yeah. keep having to learn it all year long. When Kessler, they try to drive past Kessler, it didn't work out for them. It didn't happen. There was a great one in this game where the point guard really brought him out, and he, he went and drove past him. Kessler just blocked him. That's just how it is because Kessler's that athletic as a 7-1 guy. Crazy. So it's not going to work out for him when they think that they can bring Kessler out, like if you can work somebody underneath Kessler and Kessler's not down there, that works. It didn't feel like that ever happened. It feel like they tried to drive past him a couple times. It didn't work out. He's just, he's crazy athletic. And it may be another, you know, you talk about three point shooting was so bad. I'm afraid. I wonder if another team can adapt this style or not. I don't know how weird five out is or how like obscure that is. If I'm another team, I'm trying five out again. Cause it was the most, desperate we looked on defense even though we ended up only letting them score 54 those mismatches should have been taken care of those those times that Kessler was out of there should have been taken advantage by somebody else and they just didn't a better team probably would have I I think maybe we anticipated because if you noticed our defense was a little what I would almost call like a it was man-to-man but it was it was like a muddy man-to-man like guys would kind of linger near the paint to kind of help a little more than you would usually see because Kessler's so good inside. Like they just trust him when, when the other team has a big inside and Kessler gets to hang out in there. Our guys don't even worry about it, but we, we did have a game plan to deal with that. Um, yeah, we, we, we saw some people crash for sure. We talked about that earlier. KD. Yeah. We saw Wendell and KD crash when they got mismatches and it, it worked. And usually we didn't get the steals. I was hoping KD had several close ones. It looked like he was going to rip a ball out and it, it just, but it ended up usually, stalling the offense for a good five or six seconds there enough to where it completely stalled the entire possession. So it still worked. It was this close to working very well. Yeah. Last thing on that. I just wanted to point out, I thought, um, I, I just think, what was I going to say, man, we're, we're both off on this podcast tonight. I'm a little, <laughs> we, got, um, we got flabbergasted by how weird this game was. Oh, I was going to say, so if you watch college basketball, you get those switches, right? Like a lot of times teams are looking for matchups, but usually they're looking for the matchup like Wendell against a big guy. Like we're like, oh, Wendell's going to blow by that guy. He's going to make a pass. He's going to finish, whatever. And with our team, you're right. That doesn't work against Kessler consistently. And it's almost like Missouri took their strengths and weaknesses and said, okay, well, we're not going to try to attack Kessler necessarily. They did once or twice, but overall we're going to try to attack the little guys, which is just old school basketball. You just don't see it very much. It's almost like the triple option. 
Sorry, I shouldn't make comparison. Who knows what the triple option is? I don't know. I just threw it out there. Anyway, keep going. Pre-game notice. <laughs> Next pre-game notice. Can the bench, besides Wendell, be a spark? I assume coming off a big game against Kentucky, you know, playing away, maybe the starters come in a little lackadaisical, and the bench is the team, the people that come out and say, screw it, if y'all don't want to play hard, we'll play hard. And to an extent, it happened. The offense didn't happen. But Cambridge, man, I absolutely love – we talked about it already. We won't talk about it too much longer. That these bench guys, when they have their moments, they've taken advantage of it. And that's all you can ask for some of these guys. And I'm loving it. Cambridge took advantage of his moment, got those offensive rebounds. You wish you could have hit a three or you wish you would have hit his free throws or put one back. But it's, what, third or fourth game that we probably wouldn't have won if our bench guys hadn't brought that little bit of, like, a hustle. Leor was out again two games in a row, and we – we, we talked about in the SEC preview. My prediction was that his role would be diminished to zero probably around this time of the season, maybe a little later, honestly, is what I was thinking. But he's been injured or something. This is the kind of game that he might have thrived in <laughs> playing defense, and he might have hit a three or two that would have sparked us, honestly. Yeah. He's shooting 50% from three. So I wish he had been back in. I'm afraid that whenever he does get healthy again, it's just done for him. But uh, it yeah. seemed that way for him and Chris Moore, unless somebody gets hurt or the rotation. If Chris Moore wasn't going to play this game when Flanning was playing so bad. I don't think I'd, I hope he sticks around and keeps getting better in practice. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I thought Wendell, I know you said besides Wendell in your pregame notes, but Wendell changed the game in the first half when he came in. I mean, we just settled in on offense as well as we could in this game. It was way better than the first unit was. And you mentioned a trend of kind of sometimes that starting group just, the only guy Bruce left in after that first timeout in the first half was KD. Everybody yeah. else was out. He's like, nope, you're done, Jabari. You're playing bad. You, playing you, you love you love these – the bench guys are pushing these starters. And I think it's making this team way better than they ever would have been before. You can't take off in this game. There's a lot of starters, I think, especially on maybe our rival Alabama's team, that come into these crappy games and lose to Georgia because they don't push early and they have no one behind them to push them. They can't take these guys out. You know, because the, the guy by him is so much worse that even their best game can't keep up or whatever. Shout out to UGA getting their first uh, conference win tonight. We, told, we talked about in the SEC preview that Georgia shouldn't beat an entire team all SEC, and Alabama lost. So I hope we don't lose to them later. So I, that, that laughing helps, but man, they're bad, and Alabama's worse. But uh, so here's my next note, and I want a resounding yes or no together at the same time when I say this one. All right. It's my last note. Can KD continue his upward trend? Yes. <laughs> the Zoom muted you a little bit on that one, but we, yes, holy crap. We've talked enough about KD already. We can make a KD podcast, but that was a stoop note. He's going like this. So much fun to watch. Uh, here's Matt's. Uh, will the defensive intensity and effort be there early at Missouri, unlike the trip to Ole Miss? Well, thank goodness we figured out some things quicker. We adjusted quicker. We got our rotations tighter um, after that first four-minute stretch, I would say. So in that sense, yes. Um, but again, we just keep digging ourselves out of this hole. Like, that's the worst thing you can do is go down 10 on the road when you're the number one team and give this building and this team that's 8 and 10 confidence that they can go beat you. That old Miss team is struggling since we played them. And they kicked our tails in that first half. So it can really happen anywhere. And if you don't believe – I mean – Hopefully by now everybody understands this a little better with college basketball, but like in the SEC, the way it is right now, besides Georgia, maybe, and you saw that tonight, maybe in Alabama, um, you better bring it or you, you can get exposed real quick. 
we uh we don't our next away game we play Oklahoma at home then Alabama at home next away game is two Saturdays from now in Athens at Georgia perfect time to get it together we cannot keep going on the road and going down by 10 if we want to win Ole Miss uh Missouri they're not good teams for the most part we we can go down 10 or 15 and still win against them and we're not like the you know we everybody just want to compare us to the final 14. I'm kind of tired of comparing Spot of 14, but I don't want to hear about it anymore, honestly. But that team could go down by a ton, and you knew they would come back every time because they had the three-point shooting. They were a very exciting offense. This team's not quite built like this. We have some three-point shooters. we got Wendell. we got KD. we got Jabari. We can shoot three things like that. But it's not built to constantly be coming back from these huge deficits. UGA game, I want to circle that and say, if we're still going down 10 points early in Athens, we got some issues. It's going to be an issue at some other time. We're going to lose, maybe not UGA, but it might be at a worse time. Honestly, if we don't correct it by then, it might be a worse time in March or something that we lose let, that. Let, let me ask you this, because in my mind, they're kind of two separate things, but I'm curious your opinion on it. Is, is there a difference in your mind going on the road for a true road game and playing like neutral site tournament, like the preseason tournament, and uh, the SEC tournament? Do you, I view those as kind of, they're still away. We don't have the Auburn arena. Yeah atmosphere but i do you see those as different or do you see some of the same concerns you have in these games applying to some of those neutral sites i think you know a big one is shooting away and shooting neutral are both bad for the most part at least a team that doesn't shoot good away also probably shoots bad neutral it's just not being used to the same rims not being used to the same background behind it sure there's a certain amount of like fan interaction that can be an issue with runs and things like that but it seems to be that's like the equivalent or whatever. So I am worried that could be a thing. It's partly also the other way around where when you're away, that team's used to their rims, used to their stuff. And so when you go neutral, it should hopefully neutralize it. You know, I didn't mean to do that, but uh, I still think it could be an issue. You know, we, we play, we love our crowd and we don't want to have to rely that that's like, you know, thank God for teams that are not as good as this team. Like that, that crowd's going to win us a game or two that we don't deserve. We can't rely on it when we're this good of a team, you know? So uh, yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think the nice thing with neutral side games is both teams are kind of dealing with that. And I know you didn't like it, but Bruce, our team has already played at the SEC tournament side in a game this year, um, playing USF down there. So now that we won, well, yeah, (laughs) Um, I do. I just think, and, and you know, we, I think we're, wise to point out the struggles but we're undefeated on the road in true road games so it's nice to be learning some of these lessons hopefully can we say, hopefully. Can we say it again uh never done a loss podcast undefeated in regulation no losses away no losses at home <laughs> <laughs> we love it uh we don't know what to do with it i was mentally preparing in the second half i, how many I believe we've done that how many times have we both <laughs> mentally prepared for the loss podcast <laughs> We're, we're keeping this thing rolling. Um, yeah, make, anyway. we'll make t-shirts if we can't, if we keep going, you know, what, what uh, are my your, notes? Next one, your next one's very astute. Uh, so we're, we might, we might put this on Twitter. I think we're getting some traction on Twitter, but this is all on Instagram. And I think if you have listened to the show, you see how astute some of these notes are sometime not to, you know, ring our own bell or whatever, but your second one was can Auburn win the rebounding battle against a physical Missouri team? Yeah. And I just think you saw it the way they play, right? I mean, they were just a good, tough, aggressive team I thought they brought the fight to us I was I was more disappointed at times in our lack of fight in the first 10 minutes of this game than I was defensive energy and execution I just thought they out they punked us uh in a lot of ways and KD was probably the biggest part to shifting that in the first half and then obviously finishing the deal at the end KD 
KD never gets pumped. KD no. pumps everybody. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, to, to win rebounding and to offensive rebound that relentlessly when you are not making, I mean, you can argue, well, you know, you're missing shots, so you might as well go for the offensive rebounds, but it's not that simple. Like you don't see this hardly ever in basketball. You usually just lose if you shoot this pass. Yes. Yes. <laughs> usually exactly. give those up as defensive rebounds and you just lose. Yeah. Exactly. Your next one, your last one is uh, Auburn shot great percentages in both games at home last week. Can they <laughs> avoid a cold shooting game night on the road? So so you called me astute for the second one. I'll apologize for the jinx on the third. Um, really bad shooting. Uh, and I do just want to, again, point out, I thought Missouri did a great job challenging our shots. They made Jabari uncomfortable in his jump shots, and he struggles to drive. I just, I think that's the book on him right now. He's got to prove that he can go by people get to the rim and get fouled or make a shot. And I, he's going to have that. It's, I'm not worried about it. But the more he hits I'm those, worried it won't. I'm worried it won't happen while he's in an Auburn jersey. Well, that's fair. But we've seen enough. I think he can. I just think he's still. We're getting, we're getting a little. Like, it's it's getting to be, to be a point where you're not working on things anymore. You're just going to what uh, works. You know? not, not when you're that uh, piece of clay that is Jabari Smith. I, I, think, I think you can see him get. Still He's trying. Not. You could tell. I think you could tell this game they tried to get him to work it down low some more, especially when yes. he wasn't hitting his jump shots. You know, I think this is not the first time. I think he's been doing it for weeks now that they try to work the ball to him down low, but it's just not. Just, just think. Just think off the top of your head watching this game. How many just wide open shots did we have? I mean, not a lot. Not many. I thought Missouri did a terrific job of making us uncomfortable. So it's part them. And then partially us, we missed a lot of easy ones or ones that rimmed in and out, like you talked about, road stuff, some bad calls. Some of that is – some of our players are not always hunting for the open shot. I feel like it's not – like it. there's been other offense we've had issues where we just keep passing it around the three-point line over and over again. We don't do that a lot in this offense, do we? Like Jabari doesn't really look for an open shot necessarily. Like if he can get an open shot in like some sort of transition game, he takes it, thank God. You know, we've had other players in the past like Chuma that didn't take shots when he was supposed to. Jabari takes when he's supposed to. But, like, a lot of times Jabari gets the ball, and he's like, I don't care if this is an open shot or not. I'm going to do my – and at this point, we're cool with it. Mm -hmm. KD's the same way. At this point, we're just like, all right, he's going to do that. Wendell's open shot is like an NBA logo. No one – at this point, no one's giving Wendell a shot at three-point line. His only three-point shots that are even close to open are from beyond the arch, you know, and he's going to drive past otherwise. So there's not not a lot of open – shots to be had honestly well well you got to create them though i mean like to me a telling stat we haven't talked about auburn had eight assists this whole game and again you only get assists when you make a shot but i just think that's a telling sign that we were not necessarily as free-flowing offensively and sharing the ball as well as we could and perhaps for bruce maybe not as good of a play calling night for him in terms of dialing certain things up and getting guys free. There, there was a time where I wish he would have taken a timeout to get our offense together. I texted and everything. I was just like, this offense looks awful. We look, we don't know what we're doing. Let's draw. Like usually with Bruce, you don't want to draw something up. He's not like, you know, Bruce has an amazing, he's an amazing coach, amazing in so many aspects of coaching, like actual set offensives. He does not do that many of them. We don't think about that as very often, like what he's drawing up necessarily. That's not his like thing. So, but man, when it was going that bad in transition, I was ready for him to draw something up. And he did at one point draw that lob up that worked out yes, really well. Out of a timeout. Yeah. 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 Um, you're right, but you just you're living in an alternate reality. He's not gonna call timeout. Just just <laughs> embrace it. We're hoping we can get somebody on that they could talk about. Sonny's already put his – we're going to, like, keep up. If we can get enough interviews, we'll keep up with who decides what. Sonny says no heat check timeouts, and Sonny's the man. So he's getting a, a banner up. 
Yeah. Uh, we've done pregame notes, so we can go through some players real quick. We talked about it already a little bit, but super quiet double-double from Walker Kessler. Uh, I think that seven offensive rebounds uh, really put him over the edge there, but I, we were surprised he had 13 points. He just keeps being efficient, good defense, didn't get in foul trouble on the road. Yeah. Uh, he's still the man, you know. Another 30-minute night. I mean, he continues to amaze me that he's playing 30 minutes a game. And I'm sure Cardwell hates it. I'm sure Jalen Williams hates it, but it's just – He's so good, and he is so versatile. I can't express how cool it is to have a big guy that large, seven one, with that wingspan, that you don't have to worry about a mismatch. Like, like you said, he can guard a guard. He can go out on the perimeter. He can block threes. He can block shots at the rim. He can rebound way better. His hands are good. He's now adding some offense around that. He's hitting his free throws. So a lot of games he's been three for four at the line, which is great. He was like 50% early in the year. Um, he didn't get the foul calls he deserves sometimes. There's been – there's – Every game, there's a, a foul or two that he doesn't get called because he's too big to get a foul call, apparently. Oh, he's true. What, how many blocks did he? I didn't remember he got, a ton he of got, blocks. He got two blocks. He does okay. so much that doesn't make the stat sheet. Though. Right. You know, right. luckily he's done enough now on the stat sheet that UNC fans or whoever wants to doubt Walker Kessler when you're second in the nation in blocks and had several big games of points like he did against – in big moments like he did against Kentucky that people have just shut up about anything about Walker Kessler – but if you watch the game, you know how much of the game he really impacts, which is way more than the stat sheet. Yep. The next one is uh, we've talked about it already a little bit. I hope we never see it again, this bad of a game from Jabari. Things just weren't going in. Shots didn't look that bad. He was fine. He didn't turn the ball over that bad like he did in the sure. Kentucky game on that weird one. Zero turnovers, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know why it went so badly, why they didn't go. Sometimes it just happens. It's weird for a guy like this that we thought was kind of past that. You know, yeah. freshman, five-star like this, you kind of maybe expect well, something like that earlier in the season. At this point, he impressed us so much. I am I was surprised that this was still a thing for him, that he could have a game like this. I mean, even in the South Carolina game that he struggled in, he still got 10 points. This game, he went one of seven from three, two of 15. We told him to shoot. We wanted him to shoot. It just never went in the way. And he's not alone, obviously. The rest of the team also really struggled putting things in. So you just hope you don't see it again. He still got 10 rebounds. He still played great defense, and that's the sign of a great player. That yep. Even though he didn't have his all at night, he still helped win the game in other yes. ways. 10 rebounds, um, and a lot of those were big defensive rebounds and good, like you mentioned, his post defense. A lot of, he, he impacts the game in so many ways, and it's a sign of a great player. He did have the worst shooting percentage on the team, but I think you should be encouraged, right? He got the most shots on the team. On the road, nothing was going well. We got him the ball. We drew up some stuff for him. He, um, The biggest stat for me, he didn't get to the line. And in the NBA next year, when he goes, like, that's a sign. If you pay attention to the NBA, it's how many free throw attempts do you get a game. That shows how aggressive you're being. Are you going to the basket? Are you keeping defense off balance? And that's the part he kind of has to add. He didn't get any shooters love going to the free throw line because they can just get the feel calmly at the in the away stadium. He never got that opportunity, never earned that opportunity. And um, he, what, look, what, you can always have a game like this. I just want to say, like, I don't think this is a freshman thing. That's basketball. I mean, it, it really does happen sometimes. Maybe you wouldn't think to a guy that pure, his, his jumper is just so good. And it's really a testament to how good he is that we would look at a game like this and be like, wow, like, how did this happen? Like, it's so incredible. What, what a great point, though. You know what it is? The greats that usually score this much every night or so smooth or whatever, when they have a really bad off night, they start driving the ball 
and they get to the free throw line. It's the same thing when the whole team is having issues. You say, drive the ball. We'll get a foul call. We'll get an offensive rebound, whatever. Just drive the ball. Jabari is in the next game right now. We've showed it a couple times, little glimpses. We still think it can be there. I hope they're still working on it. I think the way Bruce talks, it sounds like Bruce is down to lose another game or two, if that means we get better. You know, I don't think he's trying to like, luckily the rest of the SEC is cooperating <laughs> with that same statement. They're giving us a little cushion for us yep. to do that so we can actually work on ourselves at the same time. Keeps talking about get better while winning. So yep. I think he's like down. I think this game is going to be a big, another kick in the butt we might have needed after getting our heads a little big after Kentucky maybe. But yeah, Jabari, that might be something they point out to him. He's clearly what, what another great thing from Bruce, man. I can't stand the haters from the outside because he keeps recruiting these players. They're not only great, they're just great kids too. A player, a lot of these stars like this, the five-star one-and-done types on a night like this wouldn't just hung his head and said, y'all, y'all figure it out. I'm having a bad night, whatever. I'm like, this is not good for my draft. I don't care. He went on to play hard defense. Like he's going to learn from this game. He's going to take this in. The fact that like this will be a lesson that they'll talk to him and say, hey, you had an off night and that's going to happen in the NBA too. And that's going to happen in, the, in another game. And you drive the ball and get a free throw line, it'll be a big deal. And he's going to probably work all week on getting to the line so he can do this kind of thing in a different game because that's the kind of kid he is. You, you just love it, man. He cares about winning. He cares about this group. This group, love, I mean, it's easy to love each other when you're winning, right? But uh, I really think this group is tight-knit. He was uh, communicating a ton with Wendell after Wendell came back from his injury. Like, he was getting guys pumped up. He did the dirty work. He got the rebounds. Um, he went after a um, – there was a play where he was the only guy that had a chance to block a shot or defend a shot on a fast break, and he actually kind of came up a little gimpy because he just went all mm -hmm. out trying to save it. And it's you love that attitude, like you said. I mean, we can't gush enough about a guy with that talent, with that future coming up in a few months, giving his all for Auburn and this team to try to get it where we think it can go. And he's, he, he's earned my respect with how he plays the game. Yeah. Next one on the list is my guy. I'm not giving up on him. He's my guy, Alan Flanagan. Two points, four turnovers, 0 of 2 from 3, 1 of 6 from the field. It was bad. Uh, I keep kept was so excited for him to come back because I thought he could do some things that maybe the rest of his team couldn't. And honestly, this could have been a perfect game for him, a game where everyone's shooting badly and the odds is bad and you have to go get some tough points. He's just a step off, man. We thought he'd be back maybe by now that the Achilles injury, maybe we hopeful thinking that you can partially tear your Achilles and come back like full strength in six months or whatever. I'm still hoping and praying that he can get together by March at this point. That's kind of what I think it's starting time to be expecting. He's picking up like a charge per game at this point where he just like puts his shoulder down. And I think it, last season without the tear to Achilles, he maybe was a step faster. These other guards just kind of, I think they're, that's going to be the book now on him is just get in front of him and take a charge because he's going to do that, honestly, every game because he's just not as fast as he thinks he is anymore or can levitate the way he is anymore. But it's not just that. That was what I wanted out of him was to get those hard points at the rim. But he was also took a, a really big leap last year in three-point shooting to the point where there was a time this year where we weren't sure who our three-point shooter was. Sure, Wendell hit some logo stuff. Katie hit some stuff. But, like, who was going to be our three guy? And I thought to myself, well, Kate or Alan Flanagan last year had such a good three-point shot. It really was nice. Maybe he's our guy. 
that's the go-to guy if we need a three-pointer. He has had a lot of air balls. He's had a couple of games now since he's been back where he had air balls. He had a game at home on a Tuesday, two or three, a week or so ago where he hit one or two. It was like, thank God, he finally hit one or two. And since then, it just went back to the trend of he's hairballing him. So I don't know what you do. I don't think you like bench him anytime soon. I think no. you just keep pushing for him to make it by March. But it's sad that this many games in now post-injury, I'm texting like, hey, another possession like that in Cambridge is having a lot of minutes. It's not I think sad. Maybe, let's let's be I think, It's sad for your take. It's sad, sad for my take. You're right. You're right. I'm, I, mean, I thought that he would be – a guy this season. Yeah. I thought like he was projected as a first rounder, like a late first rounder. And I thought like before this season that he was going to be a big time leader, big time shot getter on this team. Even if Jabari is like more efficient or whatever, that Alan Flaney is going to be our guy when we need hard points. It looks like it's more like KD when <laughs> we need hard points. And that's okay. We just need to like figure out what Flanagan's role is in the coming weeks and months. Well, we know his role. He's going to start, he's going to play as many minutes as anybody. Uh, I thought defensively, he really put on a show. Uh, he took that energy, especially from the first half of how terrible he was offensively and just channeled it until he gave up the three that let them back in the game at the end. Um, he he was really dialed in. I mean, he was the best I've seen him look in terms of communicating across screens and stuff. Um, so I was really encouraged by that. I I think he's just forcing it a little bit offensively. And I think there's this thing in basketball where all the little 50-50 things don't go your way. Like some of those charges he's had have been really close. And like if they go the other way, it's a block. He goes to the free throw line. He builds that confidence. He's missing. Like the air balls don't help. I just feel like I've seen a lot of loose balls that he's almost gotten, but not quite gotten. It just kind of feels like there's this intangible. It feels like he's half step slow, right? Maybe. Half step slower than we thought he might would be from our expectations. I just think sometimes the ball – bounces weird for you for a few weeks and i'm hoping that's part of it too um so we'll see, we'll see. maybe we just need to go back to what my expectations for him freshman year when he came yeah. in and like it's like wow this guy's like people talked about maybe to get him to do a walk-on situation because his dad's a coach and we need these other five stars to come in wow all right he started a lot of the year and he got some hard points i'm sure he's not a great shooter oh wow as a as a guy on a team that doesn't have a lot of stars he really get maybe i go back to my expectation for him as a glue guy that does tough things and by his senior year is like averaging 10 plus to like just playing very solid basketball. If I go back to that, he still has a lot of room left to be, meet my expectations. You know, I'm glad he's healthy. I'm glad he's playing. I think he's still our best option at that three position. I think he's got that locked up unless something really significant happens. And uh, don't forget, he won us uh, the game in tough schools. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we next one list is KD. I don't think we need to talk about more KD. We'll need a whole podcast for KD. Next one, Zep, three points, a uh, couple rebounds. Nothing too crazy. He, he, he left for big gaps in this game at times, uh, which was surprising because even then, Wendell got injured for a, a gap. And he still it still feels like Zep nah. was pretty quiet. So it's kind of strange for the other point guard to go out and it still felt like Zep was quiet. Yeah, it was a weird – like you, meant, you mentioned the minutes being weird, right? And he um, – he started out that second half. I mentioned great, like, hustle, steal, hits a three, gives us a lead, um, set the tone, I thought, for the second half, does his thing. He doesn't turn the ball over. He played that seven-minute stretch before that long TV timeout. He was out, and then Wendell got hurt, like, pretty soon after that, and he had to jump back back in, and he just kind of became a distributor, defender, did his thing, 
And then Wendell eventually came back, thank goodness. And, um, you know, that was it for him. Once Wendell came back, Zepp was out for the rest of the night. Says a lot about Wendell. We did not think Wendell was going to be the kind of guy that we hold our breath when he leaves. And we didn't hold our breath necessarily, but I did. You did. (laughs) It's gotten to a point where Wendell's done so many great things and really stirs the pot on offense. And uh, sadly, and and Missouri did a good job of taking Kessler's lobs away after watching Kentucky give up so many and other teams give up so many. But I just don't have a ton of confidence that Zepp's out there throwing lobs up to people. I don't know if if I've ever seen it. Honestly, the, the lobs to Cambridge and the lobs to Kessler are just all from Wendell. So, like, that's a big, super nice part of their offense. That's a great point. It, it's a different offense when he's in. It, it's not the high-flying Tigers. It's not – but it's fundamental. It's going to get the ball to the right place. It's just very different. And he fills his role well. He would have been fine to finish the game. But I will say, you're right. You hold your breath because Wendell – maybe we can talk about Wendell next. Like, he – he is the guy that this offense feels most fluid with. And when he goes down and you see him grabbing a knee and Bruce said after the game, you, your, your heart stops and you think about this season when you see him writhing in pain on the ground. And for me, it was like, oh, I need to see the replay. And they, I'm squeamish. I hate like bad injuries, but I had to watch to see what happened. I was like, oh, thank goodness. They bumped knees. That hurts so bad, but it's not season ending. And sure enough, he was able to come back and not quite himself, but finish the game well and help us win. It, it, you know, we've talked about in the past that, Wendell coming off the bench is perfect because it, there's a lot of guys that need the ball in this starting lineup when, and it's good that Zepp doesn't need the ball and he plays great defense and he can kind of just get the thing started and he doesn't turn the ball over and we'll get it started. But honestly, at this point, we've kind of figured out that this offense runs way better under Wendell, honestly. So, you know, Wendell, I don't think Wendell started the season. Either. No, KD, well, actually, did he start the season? Wendell Was started at point guard this year. So you wonder if the, there might be a time we, we predicted, or I did, at least in the SEC preview, that even when Flanagan come back, there was a, at least one more, like, rotation of somebody. Uh, they're still playing the same amount of minutes. You know, Zip's playing 22. Wendell's played 22 in this game. Wendell's Boy, playing yeah. more, though. Wendell's playing yeah, more. Ultimately, ultimately, Wendell plays more. Uh, I don't know if you you think about it later on that you want to start these games with Wendell. Maybe we keep going down early in these games. Uh, it's Matt shaking his head. I don't know when you have when you start holding your breath for Wendell to be out, you might well, stop evening up these minutes well, and you start you start playing Wendell 30, 32, and you start playing Zep 20 something. We're already doing that. We're already doing that. If you go back and look, Wendell's playing 27 to 30 a game if there's no foul trouble. No how many how many games in a row do you want to go down by though before you say, all right, maybe we should like well. It hasn't been that many games. I mean, it's been a few we just talked about, but this was also the team that was destroying people to start games and start halves a few weeks ago. So it, when you're winning, I just think – I don't think it makes a difference, and I still value Wendell coming in with fresh legs after a team like Missouri has been running around for five or six minutes already, and then he comes in, and I think he's more effective that way. And I think we – it. I, I don't like changing it up unnecessarily, but – Bruce will do I'm it if cool he thinks he needs for the, to. For the record, I'm cool with this. I think we have fit, found a very good rhythm. I just think it's something to watch going forward. That like if if it really is that much of a difference between the offenses, sure. we will. I would love to see. I would love to see a comparison stat wise. Maybe I can find this somewhere. Our offense like, stats, people. I go by the heart, the heart, and the feelings, and Matt goes by the hard numbers. I want to see points per possession with Zepp only on the floor and with Wendell only. I would be curious what that looks like. Hey, next pack, that's your your homework for the next right. podcast. Who's next? Next, so we talk, we talk about Zep. We talk about Wendell. Another efficient guy, always efficient, Jalen Williams. Uh, not a lot going on this game, but 
three points, two rebounds. Only uh, 11 he had, minutes. He had, he, he, he had a, uh, was it 11 minutes, you said? Yeah. yeah. 11 minutes. He had one that went in and out early that was really brutal. That kind of was like, kind of my like check mark on this game of like, damn, things are just not going down. When that doesn't go down, where it looked like freaking Disney Channel in and out kind of thing, spinning around the rim. But uh, it's a weird one because Jabari had such a bad game. Jalen's had some games where he comes in and, and plays really efficiently and like, thank God because Jabari's in foul trouble or he's not playing as well or something. We just kept trying to shoot out of it with Jabari. And if we could go back, honestly, like we thought we could shoot out of it because it wasn't that bad. But now that we know that Jabari played so bad, I kind of like, you wonder if Jalen could have had his bench moment. You know? This is terrible. This is terrible podcast, people. You realize yeah. that last episode, Jackson was mad that we weren't getting Jabari shots. But and you now knew we, in that game early on and the Bama game that Jabari wasn't going to miss. He wasn't yeah, going to miss a shot. You come into this game, he did not. He was the opposite. You can't play the results. You can't play the results. We yeah, were in right, trouble right, on the road. Doing, yeah. If we played Jalen 22 minutes and Jabari 18 and we lost tonight, you would have freaked out. Right. I would have freaked out because um, I would have said what I thought was going to happen. I thought this was going to happen until about two minutes left from the game that Jabari was going to shoot it out. He yep. was going to eventually hit a shot. And you're right. If Jabari played any more minutes than he did, I would have said, Jabari was going to figure it out. You can't take him out. He was going to figure it out. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But, I mean, look, Jalen does his thing. I think he's the most tragic figure in a way on this team because him playing 11 minutes is absurd in my opinion. But there's just nowhere to put him. If Kessler's that efficient and effective and Jabari is that guy, there's just not a lot of room. He's still making – I thought he was terrific. Um, in the first half in his stretch of minutes, which is when most of them were. He played a little center in the second half when Cardwell got in foul trouble. Um, his defense was awesome. Him and Jabari guarding Kobe Brown, I know I said it earlier, was a big key to this game. I'll shed a tear if uh, Jalen Williams decides to transfer after the season because he's setting up for a great senior season after yep. Jabari leaves. And I think this has been perfect for our team that he's been a great guy, efficient off the bench. And I, I like to think he realizes how special this is and realizes that he didn't he was not some big highly recruited guy that could come in so I, I hope I'll be very sad you never know some of these kids you never knew Justin Powell was gonna go out after concussion. Well, he could have left he could have left when Jabari signed so yeah I hope I hope people realize I mean if we this was the worst team I think you might be thinking about this stuff more uh so the next yeah. one on my list is uh Dylan Cardwell not a great night you know he, he did such a great night when when Kessler got in trouble against Bama He's had two games in a row where he's dealt with a lot of turnovers. It says he only did one turnover. The one turnover, if this is the one he counted, was really bad. We tried to dribble into the lane, turned it over. It just was not. Three for three fouls. It was not a great night for him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's struggled with his hands a little bit. I think he got blocked really bad once, maybe in this game too. Maybe that's the other kind of turnover you're thinking about. Only um, seven minutes. Yeah, I mean, Kessler's just playing so many minutes. I mean, Cardwell's going to do his thing. He he did have some really good defensive possessions, but ultimately it's a forgettable night for him. We, we, we also have next up, uh, so that was Cardwell. So I want to talk about if Cambridge is our last guy. Uh, I think we talked about Cambridge a good bit. Uh, you know, thank God. I love it. That's what I want to have my texting mat on uh, during the thing. Great backup. You know, we've talked about Cambridge a ton. Great backup. I love him as a backup. He started so much this year and I, I was hard on him while he started as a backup, great. I do wish he had hit another three or put one of those up or something or hit his free throws. But as a backup, and the expectations I have for a backup, great. Good job, man. Like, 
everybody I could I could feel the Auburn family and community like he had two open threes and two front end of one and ones. He had worked his tail off. He was playing great. Everybody was seeing it. And we just rooting, rooting for him to hit that shot or hit that free throw. It was a time where I was going to put him in the MVP conversation. We knew we were going to pick KD, but if he had hit a couple of those free throws, if he had hit one of those threes, I would have said, he's not going to get an MVP. We have to talk about how much Cambridge hustled, how much he did in this game. And he, because he missed those free throws in the three, he didn't get in the conversation. But I'm still proud of him for, for doing the hard stuff. It's not glamorous. I think he you, you're forgetting, like, before the last two minutes, KD wasn't exactly a slam dunk MVP. I, mean, I think it would have been wide open. Um, but Well, that, if, he, if KD hadn't done something, we were going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, uh, I just, again, wanted to point out Wendell. Thank goodness he's okay. Um, that was probably the scariest. And, again, it wasn't scary for tonight. I wasn't worried about tonight. I'm worried about the season. You know, like I need I need Wendell at peak efficiency when we get in these big moments. He's been so good. So just glad he's okay. He was able to finish it out. Hopefully he can get healthy, you know, before Saturday. Well, let's talk about some SEC basketball if you want to yeah. pull that up. SEC AP poll. I mean, I think we could talk about we yeah, well, post Kentucky stuff. Yeah. We haven't been on since we got named number one in the freaking country. We knew it was coming. You know, we talked about it in the podcast before that, though, like the, the Saturday before that or whatever. So we can we can soak it in. Can you imagine if we had come off this loss? Like this would have sucked. <laughs> then finally, we're number one in the freaking country. Screw everybody that was number one, and then we have to lose to Missouri, and, and we have to like talk about this with a bunch of like weird stuff. We're number one, guys. Soak it up. Tell your coworkers. I live up in New York. People don't know what's going on, but they do know when someone's number one. You know, no one cares about college basketball in January or December or November when you're number one. People will talk about it with you. People will point out on the street when you're running some Auburn, they'll yell War Eagle at you and tell, and I'll tell them, hey, I have a podcast. Listen, that's where I'm at right now. So I'm hoping that guy yelled on the street, listen to my podcast. Let me know if you ever turned in. I know it's late in the podcast. So I doubt that guy did, but. Um, it's awesome that we're number one, finally. Um, I'm glad we accomplished that for the program. Bruce has history with that. His Tennessee team that beat Calipari's Memphis team got number one, lost to Vanderbilt the next game on the road. Uh, I know he used that. Maybe it wasn't effective. We still almost lost to Missouri. But it's great to be number one. I think the amount of attention. I love the cover, by the way. We did the remake of the Sports Illustrated Chris Porter with Jabari on it. I, marketing I thought that was real. I thought that was real for a minute. I'm still cool with it not being real. But, like, I love going back to the history stuff. Like I, did, I did, too. It was it was legit. Like, every Auburn fan I know on Instagram reposted it to their the social media team. If anybody from the social media team Anybody from the War Eagle Productions team, which we love your videos, by the way, after the game, War Eagle Productions. If, if anybody that's on the team wants to come on the podcast, we'd love to hear how you put those together. It's yep. it, the, after that Kentucky game, after the Bama game, the little mini documentaries that are three or four minutes long are just oh, chef's kiss. I just, I get goosebumps watching them. I thought you made a great point. I, there were still people reacting that this weekend was so, I, I tweeted that it was so peacock emoji. I, it, it was it from the Pearlville to the alumni supporting the students, to the chaos of it, to the game day feel, CBS, national TV, comeback win, um, all of it. And then you take these deep breaths and like for three days, we're as fans, we're still processing this amazing weekend. And then you're number one. And the timeline for the team was, Saturday, get done with this game that's exhausting and, and you survive it. 
And then you maybe do some film recap on what you did wrong and look ahead to Missouri on Sunday and you leave Monday at lunch to go to Columbia, Missouri, which we, is- We by, were checking, we were way, refreshing at work. We were telling our coworkers. Ah, I was on a roll. I was just wanting to point out, this is the longest road trip of our season. This is the longest trip we have to take from in terms of flight and everything. So like, it's the longest trip. It's the short turnaround. It's number one, it's, it's the ultimate trap game, like you said. There were still people today obsessing over Calipari's obsessiveness over us and how that game went this afternoon when we're about to play a game. So you can't tell me that all those factors don't make this a really challenging game for our guys. It doesn't excuse, in my opinion, some of the bad play we had. It's just a factor. Me and Matt aren't wearing pants right now. We took our shorts off. We love this victory. We've been waiting this oh. whole time to say it, but me, neither me or Matt are wearing any shorts at all in this. Marlene said tonight was a pants game, so you disobeyed. That was bad. I'm sorry, Marlene. When you win by one like that with KD, KD knocked my pants off. If you know, you know, I'm in love with the man, not my pants off. Anyway, I mean, what do you have a 30 second take on Calipari has made? He said that we charged the court, that we took our shirts off, that we we. You had- would think. You would think that we like assaulted his wife or that we like something that we took. A, a, he talks about how great a big game it was for us. The way he's whining about this game, the way he's acting, he, he, he the Kentucky fan base is awful. We all know it. They're just like Alabama and that other sport. They're the, the worst fan base in the whole sport. Because it's, man, come on, be cool. You're one of the best. You lose a game every once in a while. He is whining like a message board guy calling into Paul Feinbaum. It's crazy. You're a head basketball coach of a blue blood national champion team. You have a lifetime contract and you're sitting around whining like this. And like, I'm not going to call it lying necessarily, but they stormed the court. Where was the storming of the court? They danced like they were, they had danced and gone nuts in the locker room after being an unranked Texas A&M. They're, they're going to take the short, like this dude, man, we are in his head. They say that Bruce and Calipari have a thing that yeah. most coaches are cordial and kind of have like a brotherhood of coaches, but for some reason, Calipari and Bruce just seem to butt heads. And you know why? Because freaking Calipari is a jerk. I'm like trying not to cuss here. I want to, he's an a-hole. Calipari is awful. And Bruce is a cool dude that likes people. And is like a, just like a dude that's like trying, like loves basketball. Like that's why they hate it. Cause the other guy's awful. But Bruce is the bad guy, Jackson. He's just such a, such a shady person. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it's weird. They do go way back. They're very different. Um, the media actually asked Bruce yesterday in his pre-Missouri press conference about some of the things Cal said about the screens. And he, you didn't mention two other things that I thought was hilarious. He, he wants the screen rule to be changed because Wheeler kept running into our big guy on perfectly legal screens. And then he's like, did you see they had $200 standing room only tickets for that Kentucky game. Like we literally have that for Oklahoma this Saturday and they're more expensive right now. Let, me, let me know when that's like that with other games. Uh, next Saturday, <laughs> the Saturday before. Like, so You're not special. You're next. I kept saying on Twitter, that's freaking true. It's also hilarious. Just like the other sport that when Auburn beats somebody, all of a sudden the big time coaches want to change the freaking rules and they, the sad part, we joke about it. We meme about, oh, you lost and now you want to change the rules. The problem is some of these guys have the clout to do it. You've seen it in the other sport. You wonder if Calipari's got enough clout to change the rules because he lost the freaking game. Like, it's – got to go back and watch. Like, I saw the tweets. I saw the memes. 
Go back and watch the videos of Calipari complaining. It is really like childish, like sour grape stuff, man. He makes a ton of excuses. He always has. He blamed, you know, look, the Ty Ty Washington injury was significant. But then he was like, well, we also had two guys out. Wheeler played more minutes than any Auburn player in that game, even while being out. And I'm pretty sure it was a medical unsafe decision to put him yes. back out there he said, because for player safety we might need to get rid of blindside things it's like you, you don't want to talk about player safety calipari like right. the way that guy was acting he was concussed and you put him back in i thought we had moved that out of the sport like 10 years ago and i thought we had put in like neutral doctors and stuff to get that stuff out if he was really like that it's you that was the issue. Well, they left to they left the court, and to me, the thing that was scary for him, for the players' sake, was, um, and I've said three hundred times, Wheeler was terrific in that game. He was awesome, so I'm sure he wanted to come back and play. But the way he went down on the second one, that wasn't even a hit. Like that's when I was worried for him because I'm like, that's a weird reaction. I don't think he was selling it. I think it actually uh, he still yeah, had. You some say stuff. that. I'll t- I'll take the homer side of this. He flopped on both of them, and he knocked uh, himself out on the flop on the first one. He knocked himself out on the flop on the second one. He's no. reared his head back like he got hit by a freaking Mack truck. So, you know, he was the one initiating contact. Okay, the second – no, I th- my opinion – I haven't heard this said much, so maybe I'm in the minority here. The second one, to me, shows how bad the first one was. I think he was concussed. And he came back. I, I know, yeah. I brought it up online for your side. I think the second one might have been a charge even. So maybe I'm just being a big-time no, owner. It's a no call. So, it, they shouldn't have called it. It was a terrible call. You tell, you tell me if that zip in front in the same position and got, gets knocked down and slides back, that it might not be 50-50 charge? It's a no call. It, you uh, let it go and you – you. it's no – there was no main co- major contact. What Kessler's just standing there. And it, Cal is so infuriating. And I get he was frustrated they were going to lose the game or whatever. But he, like, wanted the refs to check that second Kessler play for, like, an, a flagrant foul. And, like, he just stood there. Your guy just ran into him and fell down like he died because he's concussed and shouldn't be playing. Like, that's ridiculous. Screw Calipari, man. All right. I don't want to play him again because I think they can be good. Yes. But the more he talks crap, the more I do want to play him well, again. He, he's changing the narrative. You don't want to play a team again usually because it's harder to be a team a second time. Motivation is just even in that little bit different – if Calipari keeps talking crap like that, the motivation is going to be the other way around. It's going to be us that's the one that wants to attack. Maybe he's just been in Kentucky too long. I, they have that attitude of like, you should be fortunate to like, I can't like, it's this arrogant. Drink his own Kool-Aid enough times. Yeah. And yeah. and Kentucky in general, Shibway after the game, they're like, we, we think we're way better than them. Like they, they, and I get, you're kind of going to say yeah, that. I mean, so. Maybe, maybe we're new to the college basketball and we don't play Duke in North Carolina every year or Kansas. I don't feel like Mike K and Roy Williams act like this. I feel like most people respect no. people that don't like them, respect them. Calipari asked like a whole other – and then that had in, had in that I noticed his son was on the sideline again. How did he get back on the sideline? If you haven't seen Calipari's son, oh, my God, look him up. He's such a freaking douche on the sideline. The outfits he wears on the sideline. He's wearing another turtleneck with a chain again like he always fucking does. He always freaking does. See so y'all <laughs> – Go check out pictures of uh, Calipari's son. It's ridiculous. I guess he's an assistant GA or something now. Did he um, Did he take Tony Barbie's place on the coaching staff? Yeah, probably. Probably. Tony Barbie goes up there and loses all his games at Northern Michigan or wherever he's at. Yeah. So Calipari's – That's enough on Kentucky. Games. I don't even want to focus on him. I just – it's been the story, though. I mean, like, the focus of the fan base, and, and Calipari has done it to himself, has kind of still been on that game. And, by the way, they blew a 
at least 14-point lead tonight and went to overtime with Mississippi State. They did win in oh. overtime at home. That was in That was in Rupp, too. I'm surprised they – yeah, you're right. Last time I checked, they were down a good bit. So, dang, I was hoping they would – with Ty Ty still out and them reeling yeah. from Auburn, they might get another little cushion or whatever. Almost happened. I, I, inter- I interrupted Matt earlier. I'm always bad about interrupting Matt. Sorry. If you're a podcast, if you're a Matt Stanner, I'm always interrupting Matt. Sorry. But uh, he was talking about how some of the crazy of this game – when they were taking off on their flight to leave for Columbus, Missouri, we were just now getting into the office for us, like workers and like gloating with our, our coworkers. We were getting excited for the AP poll. They were already heading to Columbus, Missouri and having to change and get ready for like watching film on the flight. Can you imagine? They were, I'm sure they were all checking their Twitters and checking whatever to see what Calipari was saying, to see what the AP was saying. We were just, we hadn't even basked in the glory at all yet. We hadn't seen our coworkers yet. We hadn't like, it's that it's that quick you know so good job on, on pulling out a win tonight but you know why they were down the way they were probably so we, we love it as fans I mean the you know this bas- the basketball season is just boom boom it's great when you have a good team like this you want to see them play but don't like take for granted the amount of work and attention to detail the matchups are so important in this sport I think that's something people who are new to it kind of maybe underestimate like there's a different scout there's a different um opponent plan every game and the assistant coaches are putting those together weeks in advance and the kids have to like internalize that and process that before each game to know like hey this is how we're going to guard certain ball screens this is the kind of offense we're going to run against this what they do like there's so much that goes into it that I think people maybe don't don't fully appreciate let's look down some of these SEC games here we talked about a little cushion I hoped I wish Kentucky would have Oh man, if they could have lost Close. Mississippi State, we would have been counting our chickens, I think. And uh, uh, you never count the chickens when you're me, but um, yeah, Kentucky uh, was so, still still out. Ty Ty, he's out for another. Uh, we'll see how long he's he's day today. But they went to overtime in Mississippi State, which is I wish I'd tuned in for that. The other one, big one tonight. So there's three games. It looks like tonight. Let like, hit that full schedule and make sure there wasn't any. That's problem. all tonight. Looks like there's three tonight. The other big one was a lot of fun and I missed the first like uh, two or three possessions of the game because I was still watching it. The UGA Bama game, Bama goes down in Athens. UGA is awful. They've won five games all year with all their out of conference games and everything. They lost to Gardner Webb at home. I believe they beat Alabama. Alabama just cannot seem to get up for these games. It's just bad coaching. Their star players can't seem to get up for it. JD Davidson, like you, you talked about, you texted me that JD Davidson and their, their other guy got benched at times because they were just not playing well. Honestly, JD, I was telling this, Nate Oates is going to screw it up enough that JD Davidson is going to have to come back for another year and transfer somewhere. Maybe he transfers to Auburn. We'll see because he missed out on the developing from the P. The, like, you know, they have, I just feel like Bruce is a point guard whisperer at this point. He's whispered into so many good point guards and turned these guys into great players. I really, really believe if J.D. Davidson had come to Auburn, he'd be way better off than he is at Alabama right now, that he would have been a guy on a national championship-style team. Hard to argue with you. Um, he got benched at one point because he made some terrible decisions, and then he got put back in, and they benched Quinterly, who was supposed to be like SEC player of the year material. Alabama's got a lot going on, and I guess you could look at this as a positive or negative, but Alabama's next three games are Baylor in the Big 12 SEC Challenge this Saturday – at Auburn and Kentucky. So we'll see, we'll see if they're still planning their little uh, cosplay camp out to try to act like us by this Baylor game. I have well, a feeling Mr. Sequence Jack is going to say, oh, it's a little too cold. We're not going to make this camp out. And look, they, it's a great line, by the way. I, I just, for Alabama, their season in a lot of ways hinges on 
they've shown they can beat Gonzaga and Houston. They've had some big wins, but that was a long time ago at this point. And if they were to lose to Bama or to, to a Baylor, Auburn on the road, and Kentucky, they will be 13 and 10 and four and six in the SEC. Like, that's bubble. I mean, that's lucky if you're on the bubble, probably. So they need a they need some big wins, and that makes it dangerous for us, though. If we're number one next week when we play them, they're going to be coming guns ablazing to try to get their there's, season there's, back on track. Bama's coming no matter what. I don't think there's a single ounce going to be left in Bama. They're going. There's never going to be a time that they're not coming full guns blazing at this point when we're good, at least. You know. Okay. So we'll see. It's going to be at home. I'm hoping this will be a homecoming for us. And I don't, I don't think we're going to have to worry about if we get up for it or not. This Oklahoma one's actually a little more scary for me. They, they've, they've had some tight games against uh, some big 12 opponents and we might be not overlooking them necessarily, but it could be, Oh, it's at home. We're going to go, we're going to go ham on them kind of thing. You know, I'm hoping this game though, I think this Missouri game might kick some, some tail from Missouri from a Bruce's standpoint on future games. Yeah. Um, just to kind of give her a little quick recap on the standings. So Auburn's 8-0 going into this kind of non-conference game, get a little break from conference play at least. So we've locked in eight in a row, 10, 10 to go in the regular season. So we're almost halfway to a conference championship. That That's definitely out in front of us now. Kentucky, like you mentioned, almost fell three games behind, but survived. They're two games back at six and two. A&M has to go to LSU tomorrow. Um, Xavier so, Pinson back. You heard anything about that? I don't know. I don't know. That's a, big, that's a big deal for LSU if Xavier Pinzer's playing or not. So, so LSU's three and four, AM's four and two. So if AM loses, they fall back three games behind us. Um, another interesting game. Arkansas plays supposedly, at tomorrow. Supposedly, Will Wade said yesterday that Xavier or LSU could be without Xavier Pinson and Darius Days for AM. So AM might get another maybe another easy win there. Maybe. Uh, A&M's hard to figure out. They're still they're, – they're scrappy. They're, they're a good, tough they've team. Had, they've had a decent schedule. They've lost all the two yeah. games they should have, honestly. In this LSU yeah. game, they might get some benefit. But without Darius Days and Xavier Pinson, the LSU game, the LSU team already was awful on offense, and their defense is what was keeping them in every game, making them look good. If they're without those two players, that's not even that great of a win, really. Just like when Bama beat LSU at home without Xavier Pinson, just like when Bama beat Tennessee without their two best players, like it's tough to like – see that down the stretch if you're not really paying attention but I think they're saying even without a great game without being a great team could beat them the, the two teams LSU and Alabama are kind of descending and we love to see it um the two teams kind of ascending uh Arkansas and Tennessee are up to four and three Arkansas plays at Ole Miss tomorrow Tennessee hosts Florida so if they kind of take care of business in those two they'll be five and three three games back in probably third place um behind Auburn and Kentucky. So I still, I still think Arkansas and Tennessee three games sounds like a lot. It's, it's not, especially when we still have to go to both of those places um, later in the season. So those are two teams I'm kind of keeping an eye on. I wish Texas A&M Kentucky lose one more that three game cushion at this point in the season would have seemed freaking huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at the schedule there, I would say like expect maybe at like, if you're going to average or whatever, two more losses, like, away somewhere, maybe at Tennessee or at Arkansas or something, like maybe we drop a weird one at home or something. So having a three-game cushion would be, like, great. Like, even by, like, our most, like, average statement, we could – even if we do worse than we thought, some injury happens and we lose three instead, we're still tied with somebody for the championship or whatever. So look out for another one. I wish Kentucky could have dropped that one. They might lose – I don't know what their next game is, if Ty Ty's still out. They play, Texas, uh, watch them. 
Kentucky plays Kansas this week, and then I know they play at Alabama or play Alabama at home next week. I think so. It gets it gets weird on who uh, to cheer for, or whatever. Just keep helping all this other parody beneath yeah. us keep happening, you know. And the thing to keep in mind, we saw this in the Tennessee SEC regular season championship year. As dumb as it is, we do these shared titles. I guess it works out great if you're in Tennessee's position a few years ago and you lost the head-to-head in your home gym, but you still get to claim an SEC championship. If it were in that position, that's fine. But I do not want to share it with Kentucky and end up with the same record. And they get to claim an SEC title, and we do too, but we beat them. But it doesn't They're going to be matter. insufferable if that happens. And they yeah. like, oh, you only won because it was at home and we lost tight tie, blah, 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 blah. So, it's going to be – in a sense, your two-game lead over them means you can lose a one, but if you lose one, you are they're right on your heels, and you, you don't want to be tied with them at the end of the year. So a two-game lead doesn't feel like you said the three-game lead would feel much better. And I think they're I think they're a good team, and I don't the rest of these teams I've been ragging on Arkansas and Tennessee and Alabama and LSU for all these different reasons. So I don't want to have to ex- I don't have to like be cheering hoping they beat them because I don't expect them to. Uh, I'm telling you, watch out for Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas can get together. Uh, I want to do some like shout outs and different, you know, move on to the next stuff. Talk about what we're, we got going on. Uh, Sonny Smith is getting a banner at the Oklahoma game for the great coaches. He's a bunch of Hall. I think I heard on their radio broadcast or something, some ridiculous amount of Hall of Fames that he's in, like eight time Hall of Famer or something like that. We routed them off, but we have a great, great episode with him from a couple weeks back. Me and Matt interviewed Sonny Smith. It's on YouTube, it's on the podcast. Go back and listen. Sure, we talk a little bit about this team, but a lot of it's just how great his career was and all these cool little tidbits about his time at Auburn, even his stuff about being on the radio. Just such a charming guy. You know, you'd love to listen to him on the radio. He wasn't on the radio tonight, but you'd love listening to him on there. So if you love listening to his little tidbits on the radio, you're going to love hearing two hours of him with all those tidbits and all those cool stories. So check it out. It's like one of our most listened to podcasts on YouTube already. But if you're getting excited to hear that, you know, we had a great time with it. Oh, yeah. And we, we've had a blast, man. I think looking back, obviously, this team's been awesome and the season's been great. We haven't had to do a lost podcast, but getting to talk to Pablo and Auburn Twitter and Marlene and her connection and Sonny, obviously, for us as lifelong Auburn fans is a big deal. Um, so we hope you guys kind of enjoy some of that content. Uh, I just wanted to shout out our Pearlville documentary of the videos that uh, our student correspondent did Matthew Plexico thanks again Matt that was awesome we really appreciate what you did for us we put all that together in a podcast that went up on uh, Monday morning so a lot of you have probably already listened to that if you haven't it's I kind of do an intro it's it's not a game podcast but it gives you kind of some firsthand stuff and then also I thought he did a terrific job on our interview with him after the Kentucky game when he was back at home kind of letting everything sink in. Uh, he did a terrific job. So listen to that if you want kind of the student perspective on everything that happened last weekend. Shout out to both Matts, Matt Plexico for doing all that and doing the student correspondence. And then Matt Donaldson on my co-host for editing it. He did a great job putting the edits together. Matt Plexico had joined our Zoom in the middle of the Kentucky meeting. And then Matt so flawlessly edited it that when I was looking for the edit while listening to it back, I could not figure out where the edit was. So good job little shout out to my co-host Thanks, man. Uh, some, some other shout outs just people interacting with us uh i looked at the reviews on the podcast no new ones this week get on there give us another five star give us a review we love to shout it out you know it's a big deal for us you know uh jay lowry on instagram has been chatting with me on some stuff he said last week he said uh talk about kessler's physicality great job from kessler with snow go backed him down in that yukon game we weren't sure it was going to work out 
he held his own against Christian, uh, whoever that guy is from Florida. He held his, his own Colin against Collier. I knew it was some C's in there. Held his own against Sheboy, Kentucky. Gotten way more physical. Love it. You think another year in the program, he might come out ripped. You never know who comes out ripped out of that program. We won't probably get him another time. He's playing so well. He'll probably move on. But so Jay wanted to talk about that. He also tonight said KD for MVP. We agree, Jay. Everyone hit us up on Instagram and other places. If you can get in before we're done recording, who you think MVP is, I'll shout it out on here. I'm sure, Matt, did your dad text us about his MVP? No, I have another one. I have a student, uh, Lyndon Palmer. Uh, I used to work with him and his family. Uh, another job I had here, he he texted me, KD, obvious MVP, like right after the game. So people are people who listen to the pod are starting to put their insight. We love it. We'll keep it coming. And the last shout out to my Uncle Joe O'Neill. I found my, I was talking to my mom and she said, Uncle Joe listens to your podcast every day. <laughs> shout out, Uncle Joe. Love you. Hopefully I'll see you soon when this whole pandemic stuff's over. We'll hang out and I'll come down there and hang out on your land down there. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, we're, we're thrilled. We're thrilled not to have done a lost podcast yet. Um, I want to make sure I get this right. I was going to pull up. Uh, yeah, man. Just sometimes you have to look at the big picture. Auburn is 19 and one. We're almost to 20 wins already, not even at the halfway point of the SEC schedule, which 20 wins in college basketball is a big deal. I don't, um, even, I don't even dream about this kind of stuff. This is so unrealistic, like to be 19 and one at this point, that I didn't even dream these scenarios yeah. up. If we had started the day we started our podcast, if I dreamt to myself, like how well the podcast would do, how well this team would do, I wouldn't have even allowed myself to like think up this scenario. I would have thought, ah, you don't think that unrealistically or whatever. 19 and one man never done a lost podcast never lost a regulation never lost at home never lost away <laughs> love it love it i mean the the reasons if you're a fan and you were frustrated by this game tonight i just want to put it in perspective this loss would have been terrible for our numbers like the net rankings and ken palm all these things you hear people talk about which we'll get a lot more into as we get closer to march it's huge to avoid a bad loss so we did that the other reason if, if you're if you care as much about the SEC championship as I do, that's my number one goal every year and anything we do compete in. We are in tremendous position, like Jackson mentioned, huge to not give away a game on this kind of game. Like it's massive to just survive it and get out. And I just wanted to say my closing kind of piece, uh, somebody posted a video of Bruce talking to students when you were still there when he first arrived, just. And, and honestly, it was kind of surreal looking back, watching how he talked to the students and the process of, hey, we're going to teach you how to cheer and be loud and create the most raucous environment in the country. Like, we're going to walk with you through it. We're going to be there. Here's KT Harrell, and he, you need to know about him, and he's a great player. All these things, and it's, it's crazy. I just hope – I know everyone is, like, in this state of appreciating it, but just it's so cool – like my dream when Bruce was hired, I thought extremely highly of him. I was thrilled we got him, but it was like, hey, maybe we'll like compete for the tournament every year to get in. Like that was my vision of how great this could be. And to see this five-year run with all these accomplishments and how this year's team is just taken off like it has, it's, it's just so cool, man. This has been so fun for us. You, you got to think of it, the ego of Bruce Pearl that it was like the fact that he could be number one at Tennessee and beat Memphis and, have the crowd in his hands and have built this program to the point where like, honestly, if he had never had to be forced out at Tennessee, he could be like the next Duke at this point. He could be where Gonzaga is at this point. If he had never been forced out at Tennessee for him to take that lump 
and come into Auburn and teach our fan base how to be basketball fans and be the kind of guy that's cool with that, the kind of guy that spent so much of his free time. He's paid millions of dollars. The dude's the like head CEO of this big time program where like before that, like uh, any other company where that side, like I'm not going into the people and doing this kind of things or he was the perfect hire. I was there when he got off the plane and like gave us a speech and jumped up and down with them. I was there at his first press conference. I have a little signed like piece of board because he stood at his press conference right where the student section people come out right now. He stood there and took pictures and autographed every single person that came to his press conference. It was amazing. And like at the time, I guess I thought like, yeah, he should want to engage everybody. That's what a great coach that wants to market this brand would. Now that I think about like bigger picture, so many coaches in America would think they're way above all this stuff. Tony Barbie came in and thought he was above all of it immediately. Bruce came in with a, a thousand times better resume and thought to himself, I'm going to engage with these people. I'm going to get in the dirt and convince these people why they should want to cheer for me when he could have come in and said, they got lucky that I was down and out and that they deserve, you know, like, uh, and, and amazing. that's amazing. And that's the only, the thing people don't get nationally Auburn Arena was selling out before Auburn won anything. And the only reason that started happening was because of all the work Bruce did laying the groundwork, building the interest. He wasn't too good to go to any uh, frat or any campus event to get people interested. And like in the community, he's very visible. He's out there. I don't know. How does he be a great coach, recruit, build the program, build the infrastructure, do all that? Sure, it helps that he's done at other places, but he, his inner, like perhaps it's best to can, you know use this quote for him too, not just KD. Swagger is hard to guard, and and Bruce has it in spades from the coaching perspective. I think that's why his guys love him and play so hard for him. Even tonight, tonight wasn't great. the The product wasn't great. It had to survive. Couldn't make a shot. They battle, man. They battle every night, and I, I hope people don't take that for granted because that is not always true in college basketball. These guys fight and scrap and battle, and they did it in other years when they weren't number one. And that's how you build a program. Yeah. We, we knew we were an untapped market in basketball. No one else did. And they still don't. There's still some, well, we can get a different podcast, but there's still some fan bases, different schools out there that still think that Auburn's whatever. We knew we were untapped. We knew we would go nuts for this kind of stuff. And here we are. Enjoy every moment. You said the SEC championships, your like ultimate goal. And I think everyone, if you're like still listening to this point, change your perspective. You have a different one. The SEC championship should be your ultimate goal. Honestly, things in March can get so crazy and chaos. I hate, I would hate to look up and we lost somewhere in the tournament midway through and we have to like talk people off the ledge on what happened on this team. What's happening right now is college basketball. Stay in the present. We're having a good time. This is my like social life and a good time that I'm having right now. And I'm just war eagle, man. <laughs> this is what brings you in, you know? Yeah, it's so good you said that. We'll finish up on this. Like the goals to win championships. And in basketball, you get this rare three times of an opportunity to win championships. We're in the longest, most difficult, in my opinion, one to win an 18-game gauntlet of SEC play. We're in a great position. That's the number one goal. If you win the SEC this year, as good as the league is, you're probably going to be a one seed. You're going to be the one seed in the SEC tournament. And you're going to play on only Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you can get that far. Like, it sets everything else up. Like there's no need to worry about the rankings, the Ken Palm, the net, the any of it. If we just take care of business and win the SEC, we're going to have every opportunity to accomplish everything. But like you said, 
you better appreciate like I don't know how many times we've won the SEC but it's like two or three in Auburn history I think so um yeah it's a big deal 1960 I believe we won one I we did it with Sonny Smith 1960 1985 SEC tournament yep. uh, victory 1999 2000 SEC regular season and what 2017 18 yep. so we've only yeah. won it three so times in our entire history from since all the way going back to 1960s we might have won it in like some weird and I think only that, so. two SEC tournament championships yeah, so. the, yep. Wanted a Bruce in that time when Sonny won it. So it's they enjoy the mess out of this. The real college basketball is when you're camping out with your friends. It's when you're watching on Tuesday nights with whoever your loved ones or whatever. This is college basketball. Enjoy the mess out of it and, and solidify this foundation and build like with your kids or whatever that where they're looking up in 20 years like, yeah, I've, we've always been about it. I grew up as I, when I was five years old, I watched it with my dad or whatever. Like build it now. And there, there's a ton of way, there's a long way to go, but I think we have embraced the peacock mindset on this podcast. We're bragging we fly, about baby. We, we, we peacock it, baby. We, we brag about the, the no losses podcast, no loss podcast and all the, all the unbeaten things, but um, we're having fun. Hope you guys are enjoying it. We've had a blast doing this. And uh, if you've listened to this entire podcast episode for two hours after a 55, 50 more, 54 Missouri game, y'all are the best. I'm shouting you out, whoever you are right now. All right, War Eagle, Matt. War Eagle, everybody.